My fellow Americans, we will never allow this force of evil to knock down our Constitution, our God-given truths. My friends, we're all saddened by the unrighteousness that has doomed our nation. We're all angry for this deceit that has taken our freedom, our children's freedom. But we must not give up, for God shall remind all that his power is stronger than any politician, any book, any lie. He will show truths because we're a nation of truths and strength. And my fellow Americans, he will never let us down. Let us all keep our faith. Let us all keep our truths. And let's all participate in the next rally. For Donald J. Trump will show all that he is the only president that had our best interests. My friends, we're all sad and heartbroken. Our nation is in despair. But he fought for us once and he will do it again. Let us hold our heads high, our hopes high, and let us remember our forefathers' words, the words stamped on our flag, our dollar bills, our trust in God. We trust. Good Monday afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. How are you all doing tonight, today, yesterday, tomorrow? I hope you guys are doing wonderful. Welcome to a new edition of The Sea Report, coming to you live here on uh, this Monday evening, October 4th, 2021. And we are coming to you guys live on the foxhole.appild.net twitch.tv and clout hub dot something. <laughs> How are you guys doing tonight? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, I hope you guys had a wonderful weekend. I know we uh, had a pretty good weekend here ourselves over at Mr. C TV, Mr. C channel area, and uh, looking forward to getting into tonight's news for you guys. Um, we had a, what, let me see here, uh, a pretty eventful weekend. Uh, we did uh, the Lone Star News returned, actually, came back online over here for any of you all Texans who might have missed that news or anyone who's uh, interested in, you know, catching some uh, headlines from, uh, you know, specific parts of the uh, country. And uh, yeah, we did some Mr. C in the Dark, some pretty good uh, episodes we had uh, this past weekend. Oh, man. In fact, uh, the episode that we did over on Saturday night, man, uh, talk about going into overdrive. We were on for, oh, say about five hours, six hours, maybe. It was a late one, guys. And if you guys uh, if you guys know, know or and have heard about uh, Mr. C in the Dark, 
uh, you, you would know that it starts at midnight Texas time. So it was quite the evening. Quite the evening indeed, guys. Quite the evening indeed. But, uh, you know, we got a lot of stuff going on. The um, campfire, as they say uh, today, and as far as um, news goes for this week, um, I was uh, pouring through headlines throughout the weekend and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, extracting anything that caught my attention. And man, a lot of stuff, so much stuff, guys, but uh, I don't know, one one thing seems to be dominating, you know, uh, the headlines per se, or at least uh, it's catching the top of my mind. And, you know, it's, uh, you might think that it's the, um, it's the um, election audits, but uh, in fact, uh, as the uh, audit report has come out over in Arizona, as uh, we talk about uh, an audit moving forward in the state of Texas now, mind you guys, that was one of our topics du jour on Saturday's Lone Star News because um, this audit in Texas, guys, even though uh, even though it's been touted as a full forensic audit, even though President Trump has commended uh, people like Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick and, of course, Governor Greg Abbott, whom I... Heard through a headline is considering running for uh, president. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You guys tell me if you believe that one, and I'll go back and read the article and I'll let you know. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, this this uh, full on forensic audit and it needs to be mentioned uh, for sure, especially in the state of Texas, is a ruse, guys. It is a ruse. It is not a full forensic audit. There's very, very specific key elements that we have learned about uh, through observing and um, and following the story of Arizona and Maricopa County about what a full forensic audit should entail. And indeed, uh, three of the uh, uh, most key elements of a forensic audit that I believe need to be included in any type of full forensic audit are missing. Um, you know, and, and one of those would be a canvas of the counties that they are auditing. Now, we're not calling for a full-on canvas of the state of Texas, but, uh, you know, four counties that will be audited, one already in heavy opposition to the uh, very notion, notion of an audit, they need to have a canvas. Um, more corroborating evidence was gathered in the canvas, I think, than half of the audit's report itself. And uh, it's very essential towards a full forensic audit not to mention uh, quite possibly the need to actually, uh, I don't know, um, um, review and hold and inspect the physical ballots that were used in the election. I, I think that would be very, very uh, useful. You know, it would be very useful to do that. And that is another element that is missing from uh, the Texas full forensic audit. It's not an audit, guys. It's not a full forensic audit anyways. In fact, uh, what it amounts to is basically an uh, administrative audit, you know, and uh, I mean, they're only doing a review of a portion of the electronic ballots by, you know, looking at their uh, looking at their digital copies. You ain't going to get much information from that, you know, no canvas, none of that. It's, um, uh, you know, uh, when I first uh, read into that and started to pour into it, it did, it did quite upset me. You guys might remember from next week, even though, you know, I wasn't like uh, cursing from the mountaintops or anything in that regard. But still, you know, 
Um, and, and that issue needs to be prevalent. That's actually why I'm kind of talking about it again right now, because uh, the people of Texas and uh, the Texas um, the, the Texas uh, legislators, they need to be aware. And, you know, it, it kind of makes you wonder if they are aware and kind of makes you feel like they are. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, but we'll see about that. We will see about that, Governor Abbott, if you're really expecting to, uh, you know, stay on here. Um, but uh, I think I think ultimately speaking, it's just it is not what it's cracked up to be. And uh, it's not something that you can bet that this news commentator is none too happy about. Absolutely not. Mm -mm 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 -mm. We got to get that fixed stat. And uh, let me see here real quick. I'm thinking about uh, what are we looking at. Okay. All right. So anyhow, so yeah, so, you know, uh, yeah, audits. No, audits, not the top of the mind. What do we got in store for you guys today on this um, October 4th, 2021? Let's take a look at the uh, header for the show. Ah, uh, yes. Trump suing Twitter. Again, uh, what is he suing Twitter over this time for, one might ask? Well, we'll jump into that a little bit. Uh, we'll talk about Steve Bannon and uh, a conference that he recently held over in uh, Washington, D.C., that uh, has the um, left-leaning liberals, the Democrats, and uh, a lot of those types kind of in up at arms. And uh, we could easily understand why that is the case. In fact, guys... I am quite excited about this move that Mr. Bannon is making. I commend him for the foresight and uh, I commend him for, you know, filling in or, or taking that next step, guys. Uh, it, it is another piece of the plan and it is a vital piece of the plan that must be uh, not only accentuated, but it must be um, it must be completed if we are indeed going to be successful not only at taking back our republic um, and restoring our constitution and ensuring that, uh, you know, uh, justice prevails in the eyes of and by the means of, you know, what we have been given by the framers of this country, uh, but that we can maintain it, okay, that we can maintain it. Uh, because I think, I think where um, politics are concerned and where certain politicians and political leaders are concerned, you know, um, it, it, it has been mostly surface level. And I would say it's been surface level for the entirety of the American people uh, for decades, you know, and we don't, we, we haven't dug much deeper than the surface um, in the last, uh, you know, uh, few or few, I say few decades, that's like what, three or four? I mean, several decades, the American people have not dug beneath the surface, you know, not that it wasn't designed that way. I think uh, life and everything else has been designed to keep us from digging below the surface, but uh, we've dug far beneath the surface, more so in the last uh, four to five years than we have in probably the last half century, um, including from today back, right? Yeah, <laughs> 1970s, 60s, 1950s. You know, because uh, we were all about trusting our government. And indeed, as a good patriotic American, 
growing up in the 40s and the 50s, you trusted your government. Now, if you were prior to that, like, say, in the 30s, you're probably like, damn, this government, man, they left us with nothing but a big old dust bowl and a long food line, right? So, yeah, maybe not a lot of trust then. But, hey, nothing like a good old war to get us all patriotic again. And uh, hence the manipulation of the masses in this country. Uh, we see right through that now. And uh, you know what the good thing about it is, ladies and gentlemen? I think even even if a war were to arise at this point, uh, that we would still see through it. Uh, the only thing I think we would have to work through at that point is um, uh, the consequence of either um, working through it and still pushing against those who have uh, manufactured and controlled that war or, you know, supporting, uh, I guess, the structural foundations of this country to, uh, to actually survive the war. But I don't know. I mean, could you imagine a country at war? Also having a civil war at the same time, that's pretty bad. That's uh, And I, I do pray that we will never see that point. But again, we have Taiwan. I mean, we have China inviting Taiwan, invading Taiwan's airspace quite, uh, quite, uh, I mean, obviously is not the right word, quite uh, <laughs> indignantly. Uh, but we're not going to jump into that topic du jour tonight. Uh, but yes, Bannon's DC plans mentioned it over this past weekend we'll talk about it again tonight and then um, um most definitely guys um as you might read it jake sullivan in durham's crosshairs now that is kind of going to be the story for tonight now um maybe some of you guys have heard about jake sullivan uh, maybe some of you all have it maybe some of you all remember him maybe some of you all don't uh but uh, jake sullivan guys and Durham. Now, you guys know Durham. I know you know Durham. Uh, but Jake Sullivan, ladies and gentlemen, was uh, the Clinton campaign foreign policy advisor as named in the Michael Sussman indictment. Now, we'll definitely be we are jumping into this topic tonight, guys, like we're jumping in head first. And it's at least 18 feet deep. So if you're afraid of Olympic-sized swimming pools, I recommend you get out now. <laughs> Just kidding. But otherwise, stick around because we're going to do a deep dive into this entire Jake Sullivan issue uh, in regards to John Durham's investigation into uh, FBI, CIA, and political collusion into bringing down a, um, a duly elected president. Mm -hmm. um, and we're not going to spare any expense in getting there, it's going to be a good one. That's kind of the main story for tonight. A little pointed. Uh, not too many stories, guys, uh, to uh, color the landscape. And uh, we'll, we will conclude with Baby Roe. <laughs> Baby Roe comes forward. A goo goo gaga. I'm still alive. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, I thought that one would be an interesting story to talk about tonight to kind of wrap up tonight's uh, sea report. Um, we were actually, uh, we were going to air the um, fourth installment of uh, Project Veritas's COVID Vax Exposed tonight, uh, as it just actually broke tonight. Um, you know, so I, I would highly recommend, um, you know, any watcher of, um, you know, the Sea Report tonight or any fan of Project Veritas or any red, uh, you know, red-blooded, you know, constitution-loving American go and check it out. Uh, you can check it out at projectveritas.com. 
But um, we, we will air it tomorrow on tomorrow's show. And in fact, uh, kind of ahead of the game, I'm pretty sure I'm thinking that we will be doing a COVID-specific show tomorrow here at the Sea Report. As a lot of uh, a lot of new a lot of the little details of this um, you know overbearing and uh, and, and overdone planned pandemic is still sitting upon us. And we're not going to talk about Australia, and you guys, uh, we'll, we'll probably save that for Wednesday. But you guys know Australia, man, Australia. Uh, you know, I think uh, who well, who show was I watching this weekend? Um, you know, well, I should say this weekend. Yesterday, yesterday was my day off, <laughs> as they say in the biz. <laughs> A big old roll of eyes there. Any biz? Um, yeah, and so I, I actually, um, I was in stealth lurk mode the entire day yesterday over at uh, the foxhole.app and pill.net. If you're watching over at twitch.tv or you're watching over at Clout Hub and uh, you are a, uh, you know, a constitutional uh, loving America first, uh, you know, um, um, uh, a patriot who enjoys the freedoms of the First Amendment and every other amendment, except for the one that uh, brings in the uh, IRS and the <laughs> Federal Reserve. What is that? What, what is that one? The Is that like the 13th or something like that? Anyways, um, so uh, I would I would recommend you head over to pill.net or to the foxhole.app and uh, make yourself a free account and start enjoying the show uh, like I did yesterday. Uh, I was in super stealth mode yesterday, but it was um, it was during I think it was I think it was loyal to the foil. She had uh, she was doing a Sunday show and uh, I think she was interviewing Space Shot. 76, please don't crucify me if I got your name wrong, Space Shot, but they were talking about, um, they were talking about uh, rights. What the question here, the question, the question here was, and because I was on Loyal show one time and it was, it was very fun. Uh, and it was kind of like a, a 20 questions type of bit. And, uh, the question here was, um, if you had your own country, what rule or what law would you create? And uh, it was something like that. It was something like that. And, um, um, you know, they, they had their conversation and their discussion about it. And then the topic uh, in that regard was brought up uh, that they would put like, you know, like in the Bill of Rights kind of thing, like an amendment to secure the rights to think and have free thought without invasion and without, uh, without uh, you know, um, uh, a reprisal. And, and, you know, you know, someone would be like, well, that's the First Amendment. Well, no, 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 no. Uh, the topic was actually getting a little bit deeper here. It wasn't just about your freedom to speak and express and possibly act on those uh, thoughts and expressions. It was like, it was like, it was like, kind of like, it, it took me back. I was like, oh, this is, this is actually true. We're actually living in this day and age. And uh, the thought was uh, that, um, you know, your freedom to think and then, you know, your mind kind of goes to like the min Minority Report, that movie with, uh, you know, that uh, that scientist, I mean, you know, that Scientologist, <laughs> Tom Cruise. And so you're like, uh, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The freedom to think like you. So you have the freedom to think without any kind of invasiveness and no kind of reprisal, because that obviously thought is the precursor to speech. Right. And writing. So you would need that to have protection. Now, talk to one of the framers of the Constitution, and you'll be like, what you think we's a bunch of witches and Satanists and wizards and, and, I don't know, fairies? And then they would burn them at the stake, right? But no, not here, okay? Because now, in the year 2021 and beyond, 
you know, we're looking at, at literally, you know, and, and, you know, even if it's not, okay, okay, let's, 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 let's scale it back a little, Mr. C, to, uh, you know, uh, this century, <laughs> to this decade. And it's like, uh, it's like, yeah, you know what, they, the, the, the government can't read your mind, the government can't read your thoughts. So how could they act on it? Right? Well, I mean, it's still, it is still a very important thought to have, because check this out. In Australia, and there was a video about this, um, you know, a, a lady there got a visit from, uh, I guess, the police. And they were like, well, we have this, uh, we have this paper here of your social, your social activity. And uh, we just need to inform you that it is against the law to go uh, to any, uh, to any <laughs> protest rallies and that you had certain thoughts about the government. Now, this woman... That's her free speech, obviously. Obviously, her free speech. Obviously, you know, she she wrote it out, she spoke it out, so to speak, on on social media platforms in a uh, in a uh, cybernetic community or however you want to call it. But literally, the lady was like, "We're just here to inform you that you cannot go to the protest." And the lady was like, "What protest?" <laughs> And the police officer's like, well, I mean, she might not have been a police officer. She wasn't in uniform. She might have been a social worker, <laughs> since that seems to be the job to have moving forward, let alone, never mind the one that in the Northwest that was killed, the social worker that was all, there's a, an emergency at my uh, case's house. Uh, uh, the, the, the wife says the man's going to kill her. Send the social worker. <laughs> Screw the police. And then the social worker ends up dead. Go figure. That's what you want, America. Is that what you want? Uh, progressives and left-leaning liberals and Democrats? Then have at it. And you guys be the social workers. But as for me and my family, and I'm sure my family online, uh, we back the blue. And uh, we would fund them to handle that job. Because guess what? They have the strength and the wherewithal to handle such a job. Okay. Uh, social workers are also not like, uh, you know, uh, uh, people who go in and make bargains with uh, <laughs> terrorists or, you know, about they're, they're not a bomb squad. <laughs> so I don't know why they would send a fat, overweight, uh, Caucasian social worker. No, just kidding. Uh, uh, you know, the fact that that social worker that was murdered in the Northwest was fat, overweight and Caucasian has nothing to do with it. It is the job itself, social worker. Anyways, the point of the matter was and is that uh, in Australia, they were basically attacking this woman ahead of time, like minority report uh, for her future crimes through her thoughts, which are expressed online. And they went to her house and told her she better not go. She's got to stay within a five kilometer radius, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The woman pressed against them, of course. And I don't know how the video ended, but um, that was kind of what that did. Day trippers all much respect for the great social worker. <laughs> Sorry, day tripper. Uh <laughs> With that said, let me go ahead and jump into chat before I move forward with today's show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dang you, Day Tripper. Um, we got Veronique or Veronique Q. I'm sorry, Veronique. Let me know in the chat how to say because I would say Veronique because, like, you know, that's the pronunciation in, in, the, in, in, in the language. Uh, so Veronique, good evening, ma'am, is in the house. We also have Tam Garal. 
Uh, Tam Girl says Durham's investigations will lead all the way up to the rigged 2020 election. That is some good uh, foresight there, Tam Growl. Indeed, that will be the case. And we're going to jump into it tonight. Let me tell you what, I'm so excited. And uh, let's see here. Day trippers in the house. Oh, half my chat is gone. No. Okay. Um, okay. So anyone before 734, if you chatted something, I apologize. My chat has cut off. Uh, but at least I can uh, thank uh, Mermaid Miss K for the cookie, Sean Joe for the cookie. Good evening, friends, and thank you for jumping in. Uh, those donations are much appreciated. Tam Growl, uh, hello, angels. Hello, angel. And uh, let's see here. Um, and also, thank you for the can. Milk for the cookies. When is Vegas, see? Um, oh, uh, thank you for asking, Tam Growl. And thank you for the can donation. Uh, um, you know, we're, we are definitely making uh, advances in technology and, uh, you know, uh, um, production when we have milk coming in a can. <laughs> Vegas is coming up in a T minus. Oh man, uh, eighteen days. T minus eighteen days. I'm doing my math wrong. T minus seventeen days. Ooh, seventeen days from today um, is when we will have the for God and country patriot double down in Las Vegas. You guys have all heard of, of course, the the for God and country uh, patriot roundup that took place in Dallas brought to us by Patriot Voice, um, bringing us, um, I would say, a, a, a revelry, a rally, a, um, a joining of Patriots um, to, um, I would say, to get inspired, to get, uh, to get renewed, to get, you know, gassed up, to fill that tank up. You know, it's just like, you know, I don't know how many of you guys were able to catch the opening of the show. Uh, but we did, uh, we did, um, uh, we aired a, um, a brief commentary from uh, the Academy Award nominating, or is he winning? Is he nominated or winning? Nominated. Uh, Jean Voigt. Jean Voigt. Sorry. I'm a fan of Jean Voigt. Um, I couldn't really tell you if I liked any of his movies. <laughs> but, but Jean Voigt is a die hard through and through patriot and uh you know we've um you know he writes patriotic poetry um a, a little known fact perhaps here at the sea chats but i am a fan of poetry and literature by far um, um aside from you know tr excursions into uh you know my own kind of foray of that uh, topic. But, um, you know, Jean Voigt, he writes some beautiful patriotic poetry. He's totally American. He's a Trump supporter. So we started with that. We started with Jean Voigt tonight, giving a message to Americans, my fellow Americans, don't lose faith, you know, and it is through the strength of God that we will win this. Don't lose faith was the overall message that he gave to us today. And, uh, you know, and that did include uh, the fact that, of course, that, you know, Trump was one of those instruments, I would say, of God that has allowed us or assisted us to get to the point where we are. And I so much appreciated that. The reason why I wanted to start with that tonight, with him opening the show, was because, in fact, you know, it is through faith and it is through actions of faith that we are able and have been able to get as far as we have. You know, this could have gone south a long time ago, guys. This could have gone south a long time ago. 
But um, but as long as we are there and as long as we are, you know, um, um, expanding our, 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 our preconceived limitations of what our own personal faith can be, because face it at this point, guys, people who have been in the game for 20, 30, 40 years, they could have given up a long time ago. You know, for example, uh, take President Trump and his family. You know, the stories go that uh, he was groomed and basically was 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 meant to be in that position. Now, President Trump at the ripe age of 70, what, three, four, you know, could have given up a long time ago. He could have been like, damn it, daddy, I want to go get drunk and screw some hoes and do some drugs and make a lot of money and just live for myself. Okay. But uh, maybe he did. I don't know. But but it would seem it would seem because the deep state could not find any dirt on him that perhaps that's just not who he was. Is it possible in the 21st century to have people existing on this planet that have very little to slight incursions on what social society would consider, you know, like uh, blemishes worth mentioning, right? Or, or blemishes worth blackmailing. You know, if you look around and I look around, I'd be like, hey, everyone here's a sinner and ain't nobody got a clean record. And I'm sure President Trump does not have a clean record. Of course, we're not, we're not building up him in a cult of personality type of fashion, but he could have thrown in that towel a long time ago. He could have been a party boy, he came from wealth. It didn't matter what he looked like when he was younger. They, the girls would have flocked after him. The guys probably would have flocked after him in, you know, in secret, whatever. But um, he, that's just kind of an example, you know, of someone who could someone who could easily have been like, whatever, whatever. And then just gone on and done whatever he did, like like any other egotistical, narcissistic, you know, um, uh, power hungry individual who has that type of access could have done, you know, he could have been like, well, I have money. I want to rape children. Like all of the other financiers, politicians and world leaders and uh, celebrities seem to do, you know, but he didn't. So uh, faith, ladies and gentlemen, faith. I think it's there. I think it exists. And that's why we opened with John Voigt today and uh, getting back to your question. <laughs> Getting back to your question, Tam Growl, that's basically what that was about when I'm talking about uh, events like, you know, um, the Forgotten Country Patriot Double Down happening in Las Vegas between October 22nd and the 25th, is that that's a chance for us to recharge our batteries, you know, like um, we, we, all, we all sit to ourselves in our own respective domiciles behind our own respective screens. And we get enthusiastic and we get, uh, we get pumped up and we get encouraged by friends that we meet, whether they be in person of a like mind or whether they be on the internet of a like mind. Let me tell you something, guys, like uh, a community like the foxhole.app or pill.net. I mean, there, there is no other place on this earth that has a community like this community. Um, so for that, I am grateful and thankful. And, uh, but, but, you know, when we get the chance to go do this in person and, and, you know, we get to hear the words of, uh, leaders in the field and we get to, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, congregate with others who are of like mind, it's a blessing. 
and it's also a big gold battery recharge. So yeah, it'll be it'll be uh, in a few days. Ten growl to answer your question again. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be it's gonna be fire, my friend. Uh, let's see. Durham's investigations. Yeah. Oh, I think we read that one. Okay. Yes. I, I'm a little back. And then uh, Sean Joe, Mr. C, you need to check out BG on the scene. And uh, it says here also um, BG on the scene Twitter for coverage of today's New York City protests. I will have to do that. Uh, let me make a note of that. I'm not sure. I have not seen that, but uh, you know, thank you, Sean Joe, because that might be useful for tomorrow's um, uh, COVID exclusive report. We're going to do some COVID stuff because, uh, you know, we've all been affected by it. And uh, I mean, I've been affected by it for show. Um, not as much as some people, but um, but um, you want to take my you going to take my wings away. You going to take my wings away, federal government. You're going to take my wings away, you fake pandemic? Oh, no, honey. That's not going to fly. Just like you're not, you're trying to stop me from flying. Uh-uh-uh. I ain't going to take, I would love to take a train, but I mean, that would be more of a riding excursion. <laughs> not a, I got to get to point A to point B. Anyways, we'll check it out. Thank you, Sean Joe, for the tip. Day Tripper, of course, is in the house. Deborah Erdman, good evening. Uh, thank you for gifting the can for your tour travels. I appreciate that so much, sweetie. Thank you so much. Wisconsin on. What's going on, sir? Cookie, cookie, cookie fight. Oh, have you been in one of our cookie, our cookie fights before, Wisconsin on? We've had some cookie fights here at the Sea Report. <laughs> They've been quite fun. Oh, man. you want to start tossing y'all's cookies any minute. All right. And uh, let's see here. What else we got? Thank you for the cookie. Oh, Deborah Erdman seconds the cookie fight. Plant Patriot, good evening. Texas Gal, good to see you, sweetie. Tam Girl with the cookie. Uh, she threw a she threw cookie dough. So you might <laughs> she ruins your keyboard. She sunk your battleship. Um, and let's see here. Oh, Sean Joe says reading brainwaves have for a long time. Not something I would have to go dip into. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was on Loyal's show. I, I really, uh, I mean, some people would, some people would hear that point of view and be like, heh. And I'm like, actually, you know, we probably should start protecting our thoughts because uh, minority report, you know. <laughs> awesomeness. Okay, cool. Veronique. Okay, it is Veronique. Oh, so I pronounced it right. Okay, Veronique. I'm so glad. Let me tell you what, Gert, because like I said, I was uh, in super stealth mode the weekend and, and someone said your name, Veronica Q. <laughs> and I was like, Veronica Q? Oh, I was like, dang it, I pronounced it wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. Boom. C strikes again. Okay. All right. <laughs> that, is such a, that is such a petty thing to get happy over. Anyways, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Tombstone. Good evening, sir. And Tombstone says, guess what I'm thinking? Sorry, sir. I am not the federal government. I cannot predict what you're thinking, but uh, give me all the links to your social media accounts. And I think I could make a fair assessment. <laughs> okay. You, a Texas gal, I'm, I'm just glad you're, you're able to get back into the group. So yes, absolutely. Hang on as long as you can. Catch the replay when you can. Uh, Mr. Vaught in the show, Ray Donovan. Okay, I'm going to have to make a note of that as well. I just uh, truly appreciate the man 
you know, for uh, being uh, upstanding and vocal about his uh, his patriotism and his love for America. Never mind who his daughter is. <laughs> I think she's just in a, a CIA or a, she's just a three-letter agency asset that is trained and uh, they use uh, to go do their dirty work in other countries or spy or something. WC Cranop, what's going on, my friend, Mr. West Coast? Thank you for the cookie swamp creatures in near in near future cookie fight. Yeah, we do have a few swamp creatures tonight. It's only because we're talking about Durham, okay? Um, and that's the reason why we are going to have some swamp creatures tonight. So you have been warned, sir. Save your meal for after. You know, we're we're on two hours ahead of you, guy. Like, <laughs> you can eat after. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Val Kimber, good evening. Good evening. Thank you for the compliments on the tie. And uh, I think that will be that. Um, I need an epic off the wall for General Flynn on par with the Taco Wing Day Tripper. WC, do you think while we are in uh, Las Vegas, because uh, WC will be there also, uh, do you think that maybe perhaps we should get a follow-up from General Flynn if we can on the Taco Wing debate? What if, WC, we take him some tacos and some wings and we ask him to choose? <laughs> That will tell the tale. They're just kidding. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Awesomeness, awesomeness. Deplora Laura, good evening. Thank you for joining us over at Twitch. We actually just, uh, we, well, not just, we hit over 100 um, uh, followers over at Twitch, which is actually kind of nice. Not that they all pour in at one time, uh, but that opened up some other doorways to help the... Um, help the show grow, but I don't, I haven't decided yet or whether or not we'll pursue those doorways. But uh, someone was telling me today that I had to be careful with the bots over at Twitch because they tend to leave nasty things on shows that they don't like. Um, and I'll, and then they were like, and I was like, oh, well, that means I'm going to need a moderator. And uh, uh, I was like, I was only thinking about one person that I could think of that is actually pretty much present for every show over at Twitch. Uh, if you catch the drift, Laura Laura. Uh, anyways, we'll see how that develops. But uh, all right, guys. So let, let's uh, let's start to mosey on over to today's show. Like I said, we're not going to do the uh, COVID um, expose, vaccine expose tonight. Uh, we'll do that tomorrow for sure. Uh, so I would say check it out uh, if you're totally interested or if you want to watch it with us for the first time here tomorrow. That's totally respectable. Um, a lot of news going on today, um, as you guys may have heard of, I mean, among other fine points that we won't be expanding into tonight. You know, we had uh, we had Facebook going offline today for a few hours. <laughs> Was it like five or six hours, possibly more? I, I read an article that said that... Uh, I read an article that said that um, uh, Zuckerberg lost like six or seven billion dollars going offline in uh, uh, for four or five, six hours. Isn't that insane, guys? I heard that because of that and also a drop in his stock that he has fell from the rung of billionaires uh, to like fifth place. I mean, I didn't know it was a, it was a race. Uh, you know, coming from my background to be anywhere near that ladder, I would be fine wherever I am. But, you know, I guess when you get enough, it's not enough, you know. So uh, 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 he was very depressed about that, I heard. 
And then, of course, the question about like, I think the question of the day in regards to uh, uh, Facebook going offline and Zuckerberg taking such a hit, because apparently there's also some kind of uh, whistleblower going on with this. I have not explored the issue altogether, so I won't expand uh, for uh, for wanting of not passing on bad information. Uh, but but that um, uh, there's a lot of speculation about who done it. Who done did that to Zuckerberg? Who? <laughs> Who took him down like that? And somehow it, it was uh, it was mentioned in relation to this whole thing that's happening with this woman who's talking about Facebook and stuff. I don't know. I don't know anything about that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if who's going to claim it. I don't know if it matters if anyone claims it. Uh, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, we'll see how that develops. Right. In regards to Zuckerberg and Facebook and all that money gone down the drain. Um, um, yeah, I, I, yeah. Anyways, uh, I think the other, I think the other topic, uh, that comes to mind before we jump in guys, uh, was, uh, regards to, uh, that Marine Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, right? Am I saying it right? Scheller, you know, the one who, uh, the one who basically like, uh, um, laid into, you know, um, uh, Secretary of Defense uh, Darth Lloyd Austin and uh, woke General Victoria uh, Mark Milley and and even even the administration or the junta, the regime, and, and then ends up in the brig. And, you know, you got uh, you got patriots around America and uh, you got uh, President Trump, even like all of them, you know, pitching support for this individual. And then uh, where do we go? Where do we go from there? Uh, this man apparently has uh, has some, uh, you know, he has some uh, bones to pick with the Trump administration. But let me tell you what, guys. I mean, I get it. He he is under he is under, in my opinion, political attack. You know, uh, uh, again, uh, attack for his thoughts, right, and and his freedom of speech, his words. But yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying there, Deborah Erdman. <laughs> Uh, if that's what we're talking about here. Oh, you're talking about Zuckerberg. Sorry. I thought you were talking about Scheller. I forgot 30 second delay at least. Um, but, uh, but you know, he, he comes out and he's like, uh, railing against president Trump saying, uh, I might agree with your foreign policy, but, uh, I hate you for how you separated and divided the country. We'll talk about someone who does not have a C sense, right? Someone who has no uh, concept or, you know, insight or anything and in intuition. Uh, is that what it takes? I mean, I don't think I don't think that all of us landed here in foxhole.app or pill.net on intuition, right? We weren't like, my spidey sense says that we should uh, be patriots. No, it was actually through... Uh, um, awakening, understanding, researching, uh, comprehending, and digging into the events of our nation's history and, you know, how that is in relation to, uh, you know, geopolitical um, um, instances worldwide. And, uh, you know, it was like, dang, boop, eyes open, you know? And, and, and even if it was on one point, like 9-11, uh, or even it was on, even it was on the point of like, I don't know, the JFK assassination, you know, take that entire lifespan of events in, in, in the awakening of everyone who's present today. And, uh, you know, 
there was still a lot of research and searching and, and asking of questions involved. So for someone like this uh, Marine Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, you know, to go off the cuff and uh, insult and insinuate all these things, he clearly doesn't understand. And, you know, in my heart, I want to believe that everyone and anyone who signs up for any division of the armed services, they know. They're patriots. But apparently, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller has shown us that not everyone in the armed services knows and understands. And that we as a community and we as patriots at large probably get that when we look at the uh, the woke generals or this woke Darth Lloyd Austin, who's a military and military industrial hack, you know, or or the retired generals who have been said to have been leading the fight against the Republic to include President Trump, you know. Uh, you know, when my mind goes to like, you know, armed service uh, members who are against the Republic, I think of like the retired generals. I think of like Lloyd Austin, you know, and, and people like that, you know, a, a, a mad dog Mattis who hangs out with the president of Greece and, you know, spills, you know, uh, you know, government secrets, like, people like that. I don't think about, you know, the people at the ground level. I don't think about the people, you know, at any type of level below that leadership in the military as being uh, able to be bought out or blackmailed or subverted from their oath, you know. But, you know, now that we have an example like Lieutenant Colonel of the Marines, Matt uh, Scheller, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, who's sitting in the brig for speaking out against, you know, um, the military, I say, you know, he's right. He has every right and should have spoken out against them because obviously it was a botched operation. Obviously, in my opinion, it was involving more than incompetence or inconsonance, which is more than an inconvenience. Um, it, 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 there's something more to it. Uh, but in relation to his statement of ignorance, in my opinion, about uh, President Trump and his administration, I get it, you know, and so like they raised what, like what millions of dollars to help support him and his family. That's good. Uh, it was like, uh, was it the Pipe Hitters Foundation or something like that? Some organization like that. But, um, uh, you know, they're offering refunds for anyone that donated money to he and his family and, and uh, did not appreciate the things that he had to say about the 45th president of the United States who was sticking up for him. But, um, you know, at the same time, it's it's one of those almost gray areas because someone had to have the balls to do it, to speak up against what they saw. And then, of course, the question of whether or not uh, people who are in the armed services are equipped to challenge their leaders in the face of obvious, uh, you know, um, um, obvious uh, breaks in like a, a constitutional or 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 humanitarian uh, law or stuff like that it's a uh, you know but but at the same time at the same time he he it's not like it's not like um on the very obvious face front of the matter you know you had an outright like break in the constitution or something like that in regards to how afghanistan was handled but nonetheless, you know, um, everyone could put one and one together and make two, you know, unless you're doing common core math and can figure out that uh, it should not have gone that way. 
but indeed more details have to come out so anyways that that entire thing with sheller we didn't even talk about him to begin with whenever he was put into the brig even even we didn't even mention it when we were doing our recap on the uh senate committee hearing on the withdrawal from afghanistan and i'm glad we didn't my c-sense said don't do it because something else is up with this uh it was just not top of the uh, mind you know <laughs> uh yeah well you know um thumper rose good evening welcome to the c report chat room good to see you sweetie um do we even know if millie uh what wait well was millie in his chain of command actually that's a good question but i think i think the point here was just that he was um he was he was criticizing and calling out military leadership and uh as we saw in the actual uh, hearing there uh, Lloyd Austin, Mackenzie, and Victoria—I mean, uh, Victoria Millie—they were—they were the ones being questioned in that regard. So, in that regard, um, I guess that would have—that would have been appropriate. Uh, but then the question there, Thumper Rose, would be: uh, Is it Millie who sent him to the brig, or was it—I don't know—Lloyd Austin who sent him to the brig? You know, he's like, we're gonna—we're not gonna have any questioning, and we're gonna make an example out of him for the rest of the armed forces, and. Uh, much to their chagrin, he's not a Trump supporter, <laughs> which means that people on their side exist like him. Um, and, and then everything gets confusing. But you know what? Everything is kind of upside down and turned around these days. Uh, just look at the last story we have today, guys. Baby Roe comes forward. Okay. <laughs> Can we get any more backwards than that? Uh, according to Roe v. Wade, this, this, uh, this uh, human... Uh, human uh, life should have been gone back in 1973 or before, but uh, she's still here alive today to tell her tale. And uh, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we have to get into tonight's report. Uh, let me just say a few more quick hellos before we jump into the show. Um, let's see, we got uh, WC Crane up. We said hello. How's it going? And uh, what, what did you say, WC Crane? You see, this is why I cannot do chat. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Pilled by the rabbit. Good evening, sir. Thank you for dropping in tonight. Good to see you. Just be good to see you. No worries if you're late, sweetie. We're not going to ask you where you were, even though we know where you were. <laughs> Deborah Erdman. Good evening. Oh, we said hello to you, Deborah, but welcome back. And then uh, Thumper Rose, of course, is in the house as well. Texas gal, we saw you said hello, and I think we're about ready to go. Okay, let's go. Let's go, guys. We are going to start as always. Oh, I forgot. Jesus. I was talking so much. We'll, we'll do this at the end of the show, okay? Because <laughs> I already talked too much. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go. President Trump's uh, words and thoughts uh, from his desk. Uh, what is going on? Hey, Jonah Sark, what is going on with President Trump these days? What is he talking about? We had a few statements. Uh, most of these came out, I believe, over the weekend. Um, and actually, this one came out on uh, October 1st. Interesting. We had a show on October 1st. This one must not have been released by then. Let's take a, uh, let's take a quick gander. It's not too long. And it says here, the progressives gain far more power with the legislation being currently talked about by failing than if it is passing. Uh, and if it's passing, it makes them a true powerhouse. Next up, AOC running against Chuck Schumer for his U.S. Senate seat. Ha ha! That would be something. I don't know about AOC. You guys know that uh, 
her occasional cortex sometimes gets on my nerves. Let's take a look at this one. This one is a letter, more so than a statement. Some of you all may have heard about it recently. Now, this one says, uh, letter to the Pulitzer Prizes. Reply, demand for revocation of the 2018 Pulitzer Prize for national reporting. Mm -hmm. It says, uh, dear Mr. Clement, I call on the Pulitzer Prize board to immediately rescind the 2018 Pulitzer Prize for national reporting awarded to the staffs of the New York Times and the Washington Compost, which was based on false reporting of a non-existent link between the Kremlin and the Trump campaign. As has been widely publicized, the coverage was no more than a politically motivated farce, which attempted to spin a false narrative that my campaign supposedly colluded with Russia, despite a complete lack of evidence underpinning this allegation. When the board announced the prize, it lauded the recipient's for deeply sourced, relentlessly reported coverage in the public interest that dramatically furthered the nation's understanding of Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election and its connections to the Trump campaign, the president-elect's transition team, and his eventual administration. Whew, I said that all in one breath, ladies and gentlemen. Specifically, the prize was awarded for a series of articles centered around the now-debunked Russia collusion conspiracy theory. The headlines themselves were extremely sensational and leaned heavily um, on unsubstantiated anonymous uh, sources. For example, much of the information... Um, Apologies. Much of the information contained in these articles were credited to people with knowledge, current and former officials, some senior U.S. officials, and other vaguely defined individuals. As a result, the public was deprived of an independent means of assessing their credibility, their potential for political bias, and the sources of their knowledge. For two years, these institutions feverishly pushed one Russia story after another and, despite lacking any credible evidence, attempted to persuade the public that my campaign had colluded with the Russian government. Contemporaneously with that reporting, numerous conservative news outlets and commentators questioned the legitimacy of these reports, exposing the clear logical fallacies contained in their narratives and pointing to the clear lack of evidence undermined, undermining them. It has been an it has been confirmed that the allegations were false and I have been exonerated of these charges. Most recently, John Durham's indictment of former cybersecurity attorney and Hillary Clinton campaign attorney, Michael Sussman, serves as a damning repudiation of the media's obsession with the collusion story. The indictment pointedly accuses Mr. Sussman of making false statements to the FBI when he presented evidence purporting to show secret communications between my organization and the Russia-based Alpha Bank. 
At the time, Mr. Sussman assured the FBI that he was providing this information of his own accord and not at the behest of any particular individual or entity. The indictment reveals, however, that Mr. Sussman was working with other Democrats and billing his time to the Clinton campaign. Importantly, the indictment reinforces the falsehood of the Alpha Bank connection, stating that the FBI's investigation revealed that the email server at issue was not owned or operated by the Trump organization, but rather had been administered by a mass marketing email company that send advertisements for Trump hotels and hundreds of other clients. For over a century, the Pulitzer Prize has been widely recognized as a significant achievement in the field of journalism. It has been viewed by many as an honor that is meant to be bestowed upon well-deserving recipients in recognition of their groundbreaking journalistic efforts. This level of reverence carries with it a very important connotation, namely that the reporting itself is inherently deemed credible, well-sourced, and trustworthy. Given this powerful presumption, there is a heavy burden to ensure that these works are continuously and closely examined as to the veracity of the information contained therein, when it becomes apparent that a Pulitzer Prize-winning work was based on a shoddy, dubious, and manifestly false reporting, as is the case here, the Pulitzer Prize board must react accordingly. Ultimately, my hope is that the recipients of the 2018 Pulitzer Prize for National Reporting, the New York Times, and the Washington Post will voluntarily surrender this award in light of recent revelations. However, should they fail to do so, I would expect that you will take the necessary steps to rectify the situation, including stripping the recipients of their prize and retracting the false statements which remain on the Pulitzer website. Without holding the recipients to such a high standard of accountability, the integrity of the Pulitzer Prize namesake stands to be wholly compromised. Oh, dang, ladies and gentlemen, what a way to light that fire. Let me tell you what, ladies and gentlemen. Now, uh, I'm sure some of you guys have heard the phrase, timing is everything. Now, I know when President Trump was uh, vindicated, exonerated, um, from all this Russia collusion bullcrap when Mueller went out there with his tail between his legs and revealed to the world at large that nothing was found. I know President Trump did call for the Pulitzer Prize uh, people to um, uh, recall you know, their prizes, to, to strip these idiot investigators of their prize. Because really, what did these in the, uh, reporters do? I mean, sure, they reported false fact. Uh, you know, they didn't do a whole lot on their own other than wait for someone uh, from uh, the FBI or the CIA or one of the attorneys to be like, oh, hey, remember me? I got a story for you. I mean, it doesn't take much more than that. I mean, you know, someone could call me from Biden's administration and ask me to plant a story 
on, I don't know, Brazil and be like, we trust you. And then, you know, and then I didn't do anything. I just picked up the phone. Anyways, that's not the point. The point here is that, yes, they have been called out before for, uh, you know, still allowing these Pulitzer Prizes uh, to remain in the hands of these um, pseudo journalists. Right. But thinking about the timing and the in-depth trolling in regards to the matters of the Pulitzer Prize and also the Washington Compost and also the New York Times, um, this is magnificent. Uh, this is this is in complete conjunction with what's going on with Durham, and that's why that is top of the mind. And again, one has to wonder why now are we on the verge of something here, ladies and gentlemen? A lot of people seem to think so. Okay, uh, um, or is this just what's par on the course of an investigation? such as the likes of which Durham has taken on. That is also a fair assessment, as you will see tonight as we go into this story. Uh, but um, very good statement, and, and, and it should be mentioned, and it should be top of the mind. Who, who on earth would go to journalism school? I know I wouldn't. And, and write a story in hopes of receiving the recognition and the accolades that come along with being given this type of an award uh like he said for over half a century this was the standard this is what you went for if you went for anything at all if you're that kind of person you know uh in 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 uh, seeking recognition for the work that you do okay but as thumper rose says the pulitzer is part of the elitist system and it is that's why it's there to and and you know and maybe to be fair Maybe that's not what it was when it started, you know, kind of like the Save the Children organizations don't start as, you know, a den of pedophiles, you know, but that is what it has become. And it was most definitely used to build on the prestige and build on the story and build on the credibility of the Russia collusion hoax. That's what it was used for, just like the media whom people trust were used to build and confirm and give credibility to that story because why would the media lie to you? But now as that veil has been pulled back and everyone sees what they are, who they are and who they work for and how they are beholden to who they work for. And, you know, some of us out there who have maintained, you know, um, you know, pockets, if not, you know, no swaths of our own personal integrity, and who would not give that up for the almighty dollar or, 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 you know, job security or celebrity prestige and notoriety. Those people did. And that's who you have in that industry to this date. And some of them may have been taken advantage of, and some of them may have taken advantage of the system. Those ones are probably really the worst in the bunch, but uh, I don't know any of them personally enough to name any of them, and nor do I care to. Not here to judge. I'm just here to share. But yes, there you go. That was a great letter from President Trump to the people behind the Pulitzer Prize. Uh, next statement is, again, another short one. The Democrat plan, if approved at any level, will crush our country towards socialism. I hear they're having some problems with that Democrat plan, aren't they? 
You know what I find most ironic, ladies and gentlemen? I don't know how many people might have picked up onto this. But you know that uh, you know that senator, senator, right? She said, let me, let me make sure she's a senator. She's in the headlines, guys. You will know the story as soon as I tell you. Um, sen- um, sen- is it senator? Oops, whoops, my bad. Let me let me just make sure. Yeah, she's a senator. Uh, senator uh, Kirsten Sinema. This is the irony behind the stories, guys. In case you didn't catch it on another show program or whatever the irony behind Kirsten Sinema opposing the Democrats and not moving forward with this bill that President Trump so eloquently and um, what do you call it uh, concisely stated in this statement uh, the the irony behind this is that Kirsten Sinema is the senator in question, from the Arizona election in 2018, where county recorder Adrian uh, Fontes, or wait, yeah, was it Fontes? Yeah, <laughs> uh, allowed the uh, elector- election count to go like what three or four days past the election, which is what put the entire thing on the plate about uh, a mail-in ballots in question for the 2020. Okay, we talked about this briefly last week. About you remember we're talking about we were talking about Fontes and how he was a county recorder and then recorder Richard was like he's corrupt and I'm gonna be a good guy and then uh, you know the elections went for days and there was a lot of opposition in uh, the uh, Arizona um, Arizona um, House and, and Senate and uh, it was this big thing right and even President Trump he made the uh, he made the announcement you know that uh, oh you know like uh, these elections are going for days well. The uh, Republican opposition and cinema, not cinema, it's cinema. <laughs> it's cinema. Cinema. I'm pretty sure it's cinema, not cinema. Yes. Uh, what cinema are you talking about? We're talking about Kirsten Cinema, the one who won the Senate seat because there was a uh, there was all these mail-in ballots they had to count for days. Yeah. That's that specific race is the race that put that entire election in question. If it had not been, it's Arizona 2018, Cinema, Democrat, Republican, I don't remember her name, uh, but it was that specific race, the Cinema race, that put that entire election in question because they had to count and all that stuff, and she won. That's the irony is that the Democrat senator in Arizona won that election. Flash forward, and now she's a thorn in the side for the Democrats because she won't allow them to pass a bill. I don't know. I'm I'm not, I'm not saying there's something to it. I'm not saying there's something to it at all. I just find it very ironic that uh, the Democrat senator who won that race and it was called for fraud, according to the opponents, is now. Yeah, she's. <laughs> come on, man. The thing is now a thorn in the side of the, uh, of the, uh, of the Senate, you know, in, in Washington, DC, it's just, it's ironic anyways. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, perhaps my visions of irony are too, uh, <laughs> are too, too, um, I don't know. Unrelatable. <laughs> okay. Let's look at this statement. This is the last one. Now, this is not a statement from president Trump, but it was released by his save America, uh, campaign, or I should say a, a political party action committee. Yes, she was accosted in the bathroom. 
we know, Sinema. That's the one I'm talking about. Um, okay, so uh, uh, the USMCA, United States, Mexico, Canada, America, right? <laughs> The update from, uh, this is an update from Bob Lightizer, Lightizer, okay? And this is in regards to the USMCA, which is, uh, you know, the uh, trade agreement thing that uh, President Trump initiated, you know, to fight NAFTA, or I should say in response to NAFTA. And and I'm sure maybe uh, some of us forgot about it or didn't even know if it was still working, But we do have an update on that today. Uh, I found it quite heartening and very encouraging. And it should probably be a big old uh, a big old um, slap in the face to anyone who sees otherwise. It says until recently, United States auto companies sourced nearly all of their batteries overseas. Uh, The United States uh, Mexico Canada agreement changed that. Under the agreement, an automobile cannot qualify for duty-free treatment unless 40% of the content, 45% for a truck, is manufactured by workers earning at least $16 per hour. Advanced batteries of the kind that will power new energy vehicles comprise such a high percentage of the value of these vehicles that it will be almost impossible for auto companies to qualify them under the new agreement or under the agreement without sourcing the batteries in the United States. And in order to take advantage of a longer transition time available under the agreement, most auto companies have committed to qualifying their entire North American fleet, regardless of where the vehicles are manufactured and traded. The result we are seeing is a renaissance in U.S. battery production. SK Innovations announced a $2.6 billion new facility in Georgia that will open later this year. And just yesterday, SK and Ford um, Ford announced an $11 billion investment in Tennessee and Kentucky. Without USMCA and the Trump administration's strong actions to push back against China's unfair trade practices, This new investment and the thousands of good-paying jobs that will go with it would have gone to China or other low-wage jurisdictions. Worker-focused trade policy works for America. More of America's cars of the future will be built right here. Now, how many uh, mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media outlets do you think are going to report that story? That's amazing, guys. And uh, let me tell you what, that's, uh, I mean, America first, ladies and gentlemen, and for our country. That's what this man was here for. At least that's what he said he was here for. I think his actions speak louder now than his words, particularly because he has been banned off of social media for how long? Since what, uh, January or so? He's been off. The, they've been trying to uh, uh, pigeonhole and memory hole this man and his thought process for quite the time. And uh, yeah, you know, people won't report on that story. That's true. But here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about the brand new lawsuit that President Trump has issued against Twitter. Now, as we mentioned, going back into uh, January when President Trump was initially banned or first band, I should say, Uh, that, of course, was revolving around everything that had to do with the uh, January 6th 
false flag capital riots. Now, as we're seeing this whole capital riot situation and uh, this uh, 9-11 commission style, you know, um, um, investigation into the January 6th capital false flag riots, one has to wonder when it uh, comes out that uh, most of the patriots present inside of the Capitol kind of just meandered in there like tourists taking pictures. And uh, the ones who were really behind that, uh, and I, I don't think this has come out in the investigation, God willing it will, the ones who were really provoking it were, you know, all undercover and or Antifa and or BLM. But let's not forget the fact that we had undercover, you know, uh, Capitol Police, undercover FBI in there as well. Uh, someone had a video out there that showed how it was all set off. And you see a police officer throwing, you know, one of those uh, flash grenades into a crowd that was standing there basically singing Kumbaya and God bless America. You know, I wonder if when that comes out, if this lawsuit doesn't work, that perhaps, uh, you know, people will be like, hey, Twitter, it was a false flag. Uh, you can go ahead and, un, you know, <laughs> unban him or uncensor him. I don't know if anyone will do that, but in this case, they banned him because of the Capitol uh, false flag riots on January 6th at the, let's see, at the time, uh, at the time that they permanently removed his account, banned him, um, uh, Twitter had said it was because he violated the policies, um, platform guidelines on glorification of violence. Never mind the fact that you got the Taliban and you got uh, Al-Qaeda and Probably ISIS-K, but they were not quite, you know, the K faction back then because they didn't need a variant at that time. They just needed ISIS. We're on Twitter, you know, glorifying violence and praising their military victories. And uh, we're never censored for the head decapitations or the uh, uh, other things in that regard. But um, Trump has sued Twitter to reinstate his account. OK, that's the new lawsuit. Um, he's asking a federal judge to force them to do so. And uh, that is President Trump alongside with several other plaintiffs. Uh, and of course, they state that Twitter's ban on the, their accounts has violated the First Amendment, which is, in my opinion, true. And they have also likely violated Florida's newly enacted Stop Social Media Censorship Act. Now, there's only two states, if I'm not mistaken, in the nation that have any type of litigation or law uh, um, in regards to censorship from big media platforms, that would be Florida and Texas. Uh, but my understanding is that uh, Florida's um, bill or law actually has uh, sharper teeth than Texans uh, can afford at uh, that type of activity. The former president, or uh, sorry, the president, the 45th president, uh, President Trump filed this request for a preliminary injunction against Twitter in the use of the United States District Court for Southern uh, District of Florida, arguing that the social media company was coerced by members of the United States Congress to suspend his account. Uh, he also suggested that uh, Twitter's ban on his account should be regarded as a government action um, for First Amendment purposes as it resulted uh, as it resulted in the state's exercise of coercive powers. Uh, now, looking at the document itself, we're not going to read it all because it's 38 pages. Uh, but looking at the introduction to this, it states, uh, pursuant to Rule 65 of the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure, Plaintiff Donald J. Trump 
respectfully moves for a preliminary injunction directing Inter Alia, Inter Alia Defendant Twitter Incorporated and all persons acting in concert with defendant to reinstate plaintiff's access to defendant's social media platform. Don't forget, guys, under the bill, Kofefe, um, all of his social media engagements are officially submitted into the national record. So if you guys can imagine President Trump being able to get back onto social media right now, what kind of damage he could do and the historical record that the Kofefe law will keep in place for him, and also the record of all of, uh, you know, illegitimate Joe Biden's mistakes and treasonous, uh, you know, phrasing, thoughts, actions, uh, will all be put into the uh, historical record of our, our nation's president's uh, communications. Kofefe, guys, look it up. We've talked about it a few times here at the C Report and the Mr. C channels. Kofefe, uh, Kofefe, Kofefe. Okay, back to this. It says, um, coerced by members of the United... Oh, sorry, I need to expand that for you guys. <laughs> I apologize. You don't want to look at my face. Okay, it says here, uh, coerced by members of the United States Congress operating under an unconstitutional immunity granted by a permissive federal statute and acting directly with federal officials, a defendant is censoring plaintiff a former president of the United States. On January 8th, 2021, defendant indefinitely banned plaintiff from its platform, a major avenue of public discourse. Defendant's censorship and prior restraint of plaintiff's speech violates the First Amendment to the United States Constitution and likewise violates Florida's newly enacted Stop Social Media Censorship Act, Defendant exercises a degree of power and control over political discourse in this country that is immeasurably, historically unprecedented and profoundly dangerous to open democratic debate. Defendant not only banned plaintiff from its platform, but also extended its prior restraint to innumerable users who post comments about plaintiff. As, <coughs> pardon me, <clears throat> as uh, Professor Alan M. Dershowitz opines, Plaintiff's right to speak freely has been seriously compromised by Twitter. Moreover, the rights of his audience to have access to his views have also been curtailed. Uh, that was a declaration of Alan M. Dershowitz, dated July 1st, 2021. And it says, uh, it continues, defendant censorship of plaintiff became state action for First Amendment purposes when it resulted from the state's exercise of coercive power. When the state provided significant encouragement, either overt or covert, covert in plaintiff censorship, or when defendant acted as a willful participant in joint activity with the state in censoring plaintiff. And they're looking at a case there, United Brentwood Academy versus Tennessee Secondary School Athletic Association. It goes on all three factors, coercion, Significant encouragement and willful participation in joint activity are in operation here. Defendant censorship of plaintiffs' evidences, defendant censorship of plaintiff evidences a pattern of contempt and viewpoint-based prior restraint, carrying the heaviest presumption against constitutional validity, and violates Florida's newly enacted SSMCA. Thus, on both constitutional and state grounds, state law grounds, plaintiff is entitled to an injunction 
requiring defendant to reinstate plaintiff's access to his accounts with defendants. Very interesting, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you think? I think it's pretty interesting. I think, uh, again, the timing of all of this. I mean, of course, he could not have laid down a lawsuit with this much regard were it not for the state of Florida enacting that law. But also, you know, uh, on the heels of his previous lawsuit, right, uh, we have this coming up. So one has to wonder if they reinstate his account, where's the other lawsuit going to stand? I mean, it would seem to me that uh, they would have lost that other lawsuit as well. Kind of like Baby Roe coming forward, guys. You know, it's like, wait, we fought over abortion for this? She's still alive. I mean, where's the sim? It's all symbolic, guys. It's all symbolic. It is all symbolic, if you think about it. So, uh, yeah, very interesting there. Um, but uh, to, to wrap this story up, um, it says uh, the ban um, affects, the ban will affect his 2022 elections, naturally. Well, the 2022 elections, not his 2022 elections, but it will affect those elections as well. And uh, it will affect Trump if his uh, account is not reinstated. Trump's lawyer said that uh, in the filing, which we are not going through all of it, of course, um, they said that um, aside from citing constitutional law, <clears throat> it affected him very much so. He had 88 million followers on Twitter. And uh, it was based, it, it is a social media megaphone for anyone with that type of a reach, you know? And also here, there were other things that were in concern, you know, in regards to his account and everything that happened. But we'll see where that goes, ladies and gentlemen. We will follow that one also, of course, as it progresses. Uh, we haven't heard much word about uh, the previous lawsuit that he filed against Twitter and Go Ogle and Facebook and all of those. <clears throat> but I'm sure as soon as that news breaks, it will break, ladies and gentlemen. And we will be here to share that news with you. Let's talk about Steve Bannon. Now, I got a little bit excited over the weekend when I read this story because basically what uh, it did is it took me back to uh, the story about the coup that was taking place during the uh, 2020 elections. It, it took me back to the coup that was being planned against President Trump because I'm pretty sure... A few people more than those present tonight or those in the community of patriots around the country understand that that election was stolen. They understand that there was massive fraud in that election. And they understand that it was um, stripped away and given to an illegitimate regime. Well, it's legitimately a regime. It's an illegitimate administration. Okay, now some of the details of this coup that was being planned against President Trump and the administration and the American people as well was that uh, there were several tiers involved in this coup, several pillars, I guess we could call it. You had the um, you had the political side, the political pillar of the coup against President Trump that involved the rhinos, the Democrats, progressives, everyone either uh, the rhinos turning away and ignoring the obvious coup and fraud, uh, the Democrats rallying against President Trump and throwing 
you know, the Russia coup, uh, the Russia collusion, uh, the uh, Ukrainian phone call, uh, the Capitol Day false flag riots on January 6th. That, that's what they were there for. You had the military coup, which failed because Mark Esper was fired when he was found to be colluding with Marie J. Stefan, formerly of the Pentagon, and also a radical left uh, speaker who would go around the world talking about insurrections and coups in other governments and teach people how to perform that on the administrative level. Which brings us to the third pillar of the coup. Marie J. Stefan took a uh, leave of absence. She went on a sabbatical from the Pentagon so that she could plan and engage the, bureaucra uh, the bureau bureaucrats of Washington, D.C., the administrators, the paper pushers, the, uh, the rubber stampers of the government, okay? <clears throat> and she went on a sabbatical to teach them how to perform and how to carry out the bureaucratic democratic, I mean, sorry, bureaucratic administrative coup against President Trump's administration which was probably one of the most successful pillars of this coup, right? Most successful. The military pillar, not successful. The fourth pillar, which would have been the kinetic pillar, which would have involved Antifa and BLM and other organizations being active on the streets, rioting, blocking streets, uh, taking out essential targets such as the police force, such as the fire stations, so they could not get out to stop and or assist those who were being attacked during that riot. That was part of the plan. Those two pillars, they did not pass. But the political and the bureaucratic or the administrative part of that coup did happen. If you guys want to know where I'm getting this information from, you can simply go over to um, sunriseexposed.com. If I'm not mistaken, that was um, that was a that was an entire story that was totally ignored by the mass media and also vast swaths of the patriot community. Uh, but through through the work of that investigation, it was an undercover investigation and a report that came out. They were able to stop the military and the kinetic parts of that coup. Okay, now Bannon comes to us um, apparently on Wednesday of last, and he held a, uh, a conference at um, a Washington D.C. Uh, club. It was uh, the Capitol Hill Club in Washington D.C. And in attendance at this conference were scores. I would say dozens, but scores means it's it's probably you know nearly a hundred or more. Uh, of um, um, political appointees by President Trump and his administration, America Firsters, uh, MAGA people, uh, people who love our Constitution, that kind of thing. Okay, now they were all in attendance at this conference, and basically what Bannon was there for was to light the fire that will be needed to attack the swamp creature bureaucracy that is currently existence in Washington, D.C. today. And I was so excited because, you know, when you're aware of such stories as the administrative coup that did take place, that's why we had everything from uh, November to January that President Trump was trying to do seemed not to go through, seemed to be stalled, seemed to be non-existent. It didn't work because uh, Marie J. Stefan was like, uh, you are the cogs in the wheel that will slow down their operation. So I'm saying you can either go on administrative leave, take your, take your vacation, 
take your take your your vacation between now and January to slow up your gum up the works or slow slow walk all of those filings and papers. And they did it, guys. That's how you had also, you know, uh, 40 plus uh, executive orders signed by Bill Barr. I mean, signed by Bill Barr for uh, <laughs> he helped with that. But uh, to move Biden's administration and all that's why he came, he came onto the stage day one with 40 executive orders. All of that is part of that bureaucratic administrative coup that happened at the uh, at the uh, helm being one Marie J. Stefan, who is no longer she was a uh, yeah, she was. Uh, she was definitely removed. But anyways, okay, so Bannon comes up with the counter plan. And Bannon says, we need you to take the place of all of these swamp creature bureaucrats and administrators because they are on their way out. He's, uh, this is, this is, this is the foundation, right? The structural foundation that we need when all of us are focusing on the political leaders and those who are in the forefront in the field, right? Out there talking and fighting for our rights and fighting for America. We need these people there too. We need these people there to take the place of all of these lefty, progressive, woke bureaucrats who sit there pushing their papers. And, and this is just a small segment of it. True, true. It's a very small segment of it. We all know that the real willings and dealings go to contractors. And I'm hoping that that will be addressed soon as well. But this was very heartening. Now, uh, NBC had reported about this gathering in Washington, D.C. Um, again, it was at a it was at the uh, Capitol Hill Club in Washington, D.C. And uh, Steve Bannon is quoted to have said, if you're going to take over the administrative state and deconstruct it, then you have to have shock troops prepared to take it over immediately. And he said he gave them the fire and the brimstone. He said, if you're, uh, okay, we already got that part down. Uh, now, Bannon, uh, again, we all know who Steve Bannon is and what he did. Um, but he says that uh, he says that uh, Trump's agenda. Oh, 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 OK. J just 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 to confirm what I told you guys, Bannon said that President Trump's agenda, his last four months, three to four months in the White House was delayed by the challenges of quickly filing roughly 4000 slots of presidential appointees at federal agencies and the steep learning curve for political officials who are now in Washington. Now, that's why he was challenged. Now, what they want to do is they want to throw in and fill up these slots as quick as possible. That's some foresight. That's some that's some thoughtfulness into what it takes. Like uh it's an, it's very interesting. I'm very I was very proud to know that Mr. Bannon was doing such a thing. Now, um his appearance at the Capitol Hill Club also came at the invitation of a new organization that has been formed called the Association of Republican Presidential Appointees, which was formed to create a resource for future GOP officials tapped to fill federal jobs. Now, of course, when you have a club coming together or a, an organization coming together like that, and in their title, it is Association of Republican Presidential Appointees, I'm pretty sure that will also come with the threat of rhinos infiltrating such an organization. So I hope at some point we're able to differentiate a Republican or a, uh, a MAGA or a America first Republican versus a uniparty rhino. You know, I hope we have some way of delineating that because um, a rhino could infiltrate that organization pretty quickly uh, just under the guise of being a Republican 
and wanting to be part of this uh, association of uh, presidential appointees. You know what I mean? Anyways, that's just kind of, you know, a thought. Um, we had um, we had an individual, a former broadcasting board of governors official, um, who uh, who assisted in organizing this group. His name is uh, Jeffrey Scott Shapiro, and uh, he said that this is an organization that has a very narrow, clear, and much needed purpose. And once it is operational, he thinks it could do a lot of good, not just for the Republican Party, but for the country. And guys, when we're talking about that bureaucratic administrative coup that was successful um, um, during Trump's last few months in office, just go back and look at the videos. SunriseExposed.com. It's Millie Weaver and the crew. And uh, they were in there. They were there during their uh, they were there during their Zoom meetings. And they're all woke progressive pukes, guys. They're SJW uh, Momars from the sewer. Like, seriously, like they I, I mean, I don't know where they find these people, but uh, they're there. Just like the uh, just like the dart blower from uh, the FDA, I don't know where they hire these people from. It's like they're uh, they're given some sort of political affiliation uh, test before they join. Or this is where are your values uh, A or B? I I approve of abortion. I don't approve. You know uh, A or B? Um, you know, racism is systemic. Racism is not systemic. I mean, is that this kind of like aptitude test they give people that they hire at these agencies nowadays? Because it seems like it. Uh, do you come from a single home family or do you come from a family with two, two parents or are, are, are both your parents the same sex or not? Like, what, I don't, I don't know where they find these people guys. Anyways. Okay. Very heartening. I cannot wait. I'm glad that this is developing because it will take care of the infrastructure that is necessary to ensure that we have who we need and what we need on the ground to fill the spaces and assist uh, with the uh, the continuity of our republic, which we are currently fighting to restore. So yeah, I'm very happy by that. Very, very happy by that indeed, ladies and gentlemen, and happy to report as well. Uh, real quick, uh, before we get into the next story, because this is going to be this is going to be the story for the night. We're getting into Durham and into uh, Jake Sullivan. Let's go ahead and put Durham's face on the screen. Hard at work looking for photos that are not your typical uh, <laughs> John Durham. Uh, for those of you on the podcast side, yeah, you, everyone sees the same John Durham photo. I'm trying to give you guys something different. Uh, let's see here. A different angle, a different a different side of John Durham's face, maybe. Uh, WC Cranop, thank you for gifting the 117 gold pills. Uh, Phil B. Me too. Thank you for gifting the cookie. And uh, also uh, one more we have here, uh, uh, Oleft MD. Uh, thank you also for gifting the cookie. I appreciate uh, those donations and your support as we move along. Uh, let's see here, and then let maybe I can maybe I can catch a question or two before we jump into today's story. Oh, hey, hey, Narco Humpone TV, how you doing? Narco Humpone says, Mr. C, check this doctor talking about what happens to the human body after the second shot. Uh, did you drop? Okay, cool. Narco Humpone drops the link. I will save it because tomorrow we are going to do a COVID exclusive show here at the C Report because there's a lot to report. Uh, if it's what I think it is, Narco Humpone, um, I, I saw something about that in a headline 
something like you get your first shot, you become a COVID factory, you get your second shot, and then uh, you lose your immune system. I, I mean, I was trying not to touch on COVID tonight, guy, too much tonight, because um, uh, I'm trying to get more videos that will not be excised or <laughs> uh, exercised from a screw tube. And apparently, if you mention COVID, they just take it away. And uh, I'm trying to, to get these things on my website anyways. Um, oh, is a score 20 years? I thought a score was 40 years for some reason. Oh, no, wait. Four score, 20 years. You're right. Okay, thank you. <laughs> anyways, guys. Okay, let's get into uh, let's get into tonight's... Uh, hey, Bodina, how are you doing? We got some uh, Connie Ketchup. Good evening. How are you doing? Uh, some new friends dropping into the chats tonight. Welcome, welcome. Now we're going to get into Durham, guys. Now we're going to get into Durham because, uh, you know, we got some stuff to share with you all about John Durham. Now, some of you guys might have read the uh, Gateway Pundit headline, uh, Jake Sullivan implicated in Durham's report. Uh, and and then, there, then from there, there was a very, 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 very detailed and long report. It had to have been at least, what, two to three thousand words, which is, uh, yeah. It's uh, it's quite detailed, guys. So that's what we're talking about right now. We're talking about the Durham indictments, the Durham investigation, because time and time again, what we're hearing, of course, is that uh, where's Durham? And that was actually quite entertaining whilst we heard it. Uh, but then the question comes is, was John Durham's indictment of Michael Sussman a fluke? Um, was it just, uh, you know, another uh, another uh, henchman falls, but no true accountability is to be given to it? A lot of questions about Durham and this investigation, and rightfully so amongst uh, patriot communities and individuals who are paying attention to what's going on. But again, uh, this Michael Sussman indictment has seemed to have renewed this seemingly dormant investigation that John Durham is doing into the political and intelligence collusion that was formed to attempt and frame and remove a duly elected president. Of course, all against the law, very much so. Now, this scheme as it has unfolded has turned itself into a vast conspiracy between intelligence agencies, politician, media firms, and law firms, all in the name of removing a duly elected president, okay? Um, and who those people are working for, we'll find out hopefully at some point uh, as we continue to go up the ladder of uh, involvement. Now, the hard news on this investigation, as we all know, ladies and gentlemen, the hard news has not yet linked with intent all of the players, right? We here know as we, the Epoch Times somehow knows as well, you know, about where all this goes up to. I mean, uh, it all goes up to the top, and uh, it seems like the top, at least of this hill, is like Barack Obama, okay? But in the real news, in the uh, fake news, lamestream legacy media, none of this has come together, right? And because none of this has come together, in their venues, none of this has come together for two thirds of this country and half the world, right? Uh, no one out there could figure that uh, any of this is linked. Uh, half of them, of those who can't figure, don't even realize that uh, the Mueller report showed that the PP dossier was fake. Uh, and the Ukraine thing with the actual transcripts coming out doesn't even, 
you know, fashion on their minds. Because we still have people out there that are like Trump colluded with Russia. And and if you look at them and you laugh and you say, where have you been? Uh, the Mueller report showed it was nothing. They just go, huh? <laughs> Why? Trump colluded with Russia? <laughs> they wouldn't know they're left from the right, even though they're far left, you know? So still, though, with this investigation and with the indictments and the subpoenas that have come out, it has opened the floodgates of question because the allegations of lies by Michael Sussman to the FBI about his role with the Clinton campaign um, as their lawyer revealed that the Russia collusion case may actually be politically motivated. Ah, you don't think, John Q. Normie, that it could have been politically motivated? And not just that, but a hoax entirely. And also, it points out the abuse of federal agencies and the abuse of the rule of law itself. Now, Michael Sussman, this 57-year-old attorney, formerly working for the Clinton campaign, as well as Perkins Coy law firm. He pleaded not guilty, okay, in, in, uh, to a single felony count. And as of last Friday, he was released on a $100,000 bond. He faces up to five years if convicted. Let's see. I mean, I, I'm surprised that they didn't call him um, an extreme risk case where he could run away or commit suicide. We'll see what happens, right? But now we're taking a look at another key player in this indictment. In fact, this uh, key player has been subpoenaed before. Uh, a few of these people that we'll be talking about tonight have been subpoenaed before. But now what we're looking at through the scope of knowledge that has been brought to light through the Michael Sussman indictment and that 27 page indictment with all of that detail, which one has to stop and scratch their head and wonder why would he make such a long indictment when, uh, you know, these indictments are usually about two to three pages at the longest with all of this storyline, all of this narrative, is it presumptuous? Do you think, uh, do you think a 40 year attorney professional would write all of that stuff just to speculate? I don't think so. And apparently other people don't either, but the other key figure in this indictment was identified by job title only and got indeed if you guys remember when we did the analysis of the indictment there are several job titles it was like uh foreign policy advisor uh you know a lawyer to the clinton campaign no names given but we can definitely assess who that was well that takes us to the foreign policy advisor for the clinton campaign known as that uh you know that function and person Jake Sullivan. Um, yeah, do you, some of you guys remember Jake Sullivan, maybe just by looking at him, he kind of looks like uh, Jack Skellington to me, but here we go. There's another uh, John Durham picture, but Jake Sullivan, okay. The one who's quoted to have been, we're liars, we lie like, and proud of it. This guy, okay. He was the Hillary Clinton campaign foreign policy advisor. <clears throat> and uh, through the indictment, we're learning just like Michael Sussman, uh, he, he may have lied, and in fact, perjured himself uh, during congressional testimony. Now, the uh, congressional testimony in which this took place was, of course, it was in December of 2017. 
uh, he was giving a congressional testimony in regards to uh, the uh, involvement of um, Fusion GPS in this entire Russia collusion, Alpha Bank, President Trump, Putin loving festival. Right. And uh, he said that he did not know that Fusion GPS was involved at all. OK. Um, he also stated in closed door testimony to the House Intelligence Committee that uh, he did not know anything about Fusion GPS. And uh, also he did uh, he did not know who was conducting the opposition research for the Clinton campaign. OK. He did not know. It's like all of a sudden this, you know, uh, this good Samaritan came out of nowhere and unsolicited of his own accord, dropped all this information onto our laps about Trump and Alpha Bank. OK, well, I mean, I guess it's reasonable to believe because another one of the elements or players who have been mentioned by title only in the Sussman indictment uh, had to do with a um, had to do with a professor from a certain university. As it turns out, uh, that professor uh, it was an Iowa university, but that professor was merely a Hillary Clinton supporter. So I guess it stands to reason. Uh, her name was Jean Camp or something like that. But like uh, it stands to reason that a Good Samaritan could just drop this information on their lap, right, Jake Sullivan, or maybe not. Now. He's facing scrutiny now because of what was listed in this indictment from uh, said foreign policy advisor to the Clinton campaign over potentially having um, given false statements. Um, you know, he uh, and also in that regard, guys, uh, aside from claiming that he did not know, if you follow the Michael Sussman indictment, you will see that he would also have made false statements about his own personal involvement in the effort uh, that is in regards to the opposition opposition research, the entire campaign against President Trump, which also continued after President Trump's nomination and into 2017. As the foreign policy advisor to the Clinton campaign, Sullivan actually spearheaded what was known by insiders of the Clinton campaign as a confidential project that would link President Trump to the Kremlin through this dubious email server records that were provided to the FBI and the CIA and also the media. Um, and so um, the Michael Sussman indictment, again, it stated that uh, Sussman, as well as cybersecurity experts recruited for the operation, coordinated with representatives and agents of the Clinton campaign with regard to the data written and uh, the data and the written materials that Michael Sussman eventually gave to the FBI and the media. Now, those are words from John Durham's indictment. Now, Jake Sullivan has been confirmed as the foreign policy advisor to the Clinton campaign at this time and was briefed on the development of the opposition research materials tying Trump to Alpha Bank and was aware of the participants in the project. According to emails that John Durham obtained on September 15th, 2016, four days before Sussman handed off these materials to the FBI, Mark Elias, his law partner, Michael Sussman's law partner, 
and fellow Democrat Party operative exchanged emails with the Clinton campaign's foreign policy advisor concerning the Russian bank allegations. Those are words from John Durham's indictment against Michael Sussman, as well as other top campaign officials. Um, so again, we have Fusion GPS here in the mix. Now pictured here with the Fusion GPS graphic is also the founder of Fusion GPS, Glenn Simpson. Now, the Washington Opposition Research um, Group that we're talking about here from John Durham's indictment against Michael Sussman that implicates also Mark Elias and also Jake Sullivan included Fusion GPS and the founder, Glenn Simpson, keeping in mind that Fusion GPS also worked for the Clinton campaign. So one would have to wonder, how could Jake Sullivan sit in committee or be under oath in testimony and say he did not know who was involved with the opposition collusion, um, opposition research, let alone that uh, he had nothing to do with it, right? Because already this is all tied together in Sussman's, uh, in Sussman's indictment. And, uh, well, you know, these people, they've been subpoenaed. And uh, I don't think that this 27-page uh, indictment came out for nothing with all the information that it had. It wasn't just to uh, send all of us patriots into a, a tailspin of uh, uh, deep digs and rabbit holes. Maybe it was. I don't know. But it doesn't seem to be the case, in my opinion. Now, um, fusion researchers were also in regular contact with both Sullivan and Mark Elias about the project um, in the summer and the fall of 2016. There's a big old boogeyman himself, the love child of Oogie Boogie and, uh, I don't know, the fat lady that sings, uh, Mark Elias. Mark Elias, of, uh, formerly of Perkins Coy Law Firm, you know, he, uh, he and Sullivan actually personally met, okay? And uh, they are the ones who briefed, uh, I'm sorry, uh, they were the ones who briefed him on Fusion's opposition research, according to sources. So Sullivan maintained throughout this process in congressional testimony in December of 2017, um, and also in the closed door testimony that he gave to the House Intelligence Committee he claimed that he did not know of Fusion GPS's involvement, despite the fact that through Durham's investigation, there are emails that link them so, link them together, and that he also did not know anything about Fusion GPS in 2016 or who was conducting this opposition research for the campaign. Okay. Everything through John Sullivan, uh, John Sullivan, everything through John Durham's um, investigation has proven to be otherwise. Uh, so that to me clearly states that, uh, maybe the next person we'll see an indictment coming down on is Jake Sullivan. And maybe indeed, because this has hit the headlines now, um, real clear investigations are the ones that did a real thorough and in-depth report on this story. But now we're seeing it in the Gateway Pundit. We're seeing it in the Epoch Times and we're seeing it in the MSM. Okay, a lot of, uh, you know, a, a few headlines were out there in the mainstream news talking about this story, but not going too in-depth about it 
but rather just mentioning it. Kind of like, uh, you know, CNN just mentioned that uh, there were further subpoenas that were issued when uh, the Mike, Michael Sullivan indictment hit, but they didn't give you a lot of detail about it. They just said it happened. Okay. Now, under oath, Jake Sullivan said this. Jake Sullivan said, Mark Elias would occasionally give us updates on the opposition research they were conducting, but I did not know what the nature of that effort was, inside effort, outside effort, who was funding it, who was doing it, anything like that. That's his statement. That's his testimony. Sullivan also testified he did not know that Perkins Coy, the law firm where Elias and Sussman were partners, was working for the Clinton campaign until October 2017. When it was reported in the media as part of stories revealing the campaign's contract with Fusion GPS, which also produced the uh, so-called Steele dossier, the PP dossier, um, a well-known Democrat law firm. Uh, major media stories from 2016 routinely identified Elias as general counsel for the Clinton campaign and a partner of Perkins Coy. Although he acknowledged knowing Elias, Steve, uh, you know, Jake Sullivan acknowledged knowing him um, and, uh, and knowing his partner were marshalling opposition researchers for a campaign project targeting Trump, Sullivan insisted that he did, didn't do something with it. Oh, he insisted that uh, they did not do anything with it. Um, in truth, they used the research to instigate a full-blown investigation at the FBI. So, uh, you know, um, Sullivan acknowledges knowing uh, Elias, you know, um, and he acknowledges knowing that Elias and uh, his partner were putting together opposition research for the Hillary Clinton campaign. He said that they didn't do anything with it. He's like, yeah, I know they were doing it. I know they were putting together research. But the Hillary Clinton campaign didn't do anything with it. So it's like, well, well, he's already kind of like tripped upon this himself, you know, just in that statement um, and just in that acknowledgement. But um, even afterwards, um, even after lying to Congress, even after lying to the Senate uh, committee, you know, um, nothing happens. OK, that seems to be the case in involving perjury, you know, um, under oath in uh, you know the United States. I mean, unless you're associated with the Trump administration in any way, um, you know, it seems to be the case. Now, even after President Trump was elected president in uh, or, or, you know, after the inauguration post 2016, um, Sullivan continued to go after President Trump. Now, Sullivan, he continued to participate in anti-Trump efforts. And uh, it enlisted no fewer than three internet companies and two university computer researchers who persisted in exploring non-public internet data to conjure up a derogatory information campaign on President Trump and his associates. That's according to John Durham's indictment. Prosecutors say the operation ran through at least February 2017 when Sullivan met with another central figure in the FBI with the same goal um, of compelling agents to continue investigating the false rumors in the wake of the elections and also to keep President Trump's uh, administration and indeed his presidency under a cloud of unethical behavior. 
On February 10th, 2017, Sullivan huddled with two Fusion GPS operatives and their partner, a man known as Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones is a former FBI analyst and also a Democrat staffer on the Hill. And uh, they um, huddled with these individuals, Jake Sullivan did, in order to hatch a post-election plan to resurrect Trump's um, rumored involvement with Russia. Now, the meeting with Jones and the GPS hoodlums lasted about an hour and took place in a Washington, D.C. office building. And it also included former Clinton campaign chairman John Podesta. Now, the group discussed raising money to finance a multi-million dollar opposition research project headed by Jones to target the new president. So basically, Jones's operation would replace the Clinton campaign's operation, and it would continue the same effort to undermine President Trump. Now, it's not known if Michael Sussman attended that meeting on February 10th, but he was apparently still involved in the operation along with his crew of data miners. Uh, the day before the meeting took place uh, with Sullivan and uh, Jones and Fusion GPS members, um, Michael Sussman paid a visit to the CIA Langley headquarters to peddle the disinformation about the secret server. This time, he was talking to top officials, not just agents or investigators. And uh, it was a meeting that was about 90 minutes. And you're probably wondering, where are we getting these time frames from, Mr. C? But it was a meeting that was about 90 minutes. And Sussman provided two officials at the intelligence headquarters updated documents and data provided um, that he had also provided to the FBI before the election. Now, where these uh, this information comes from, if you guys remember the Michael Sussman indictment, uh, they were talking a lot about things like uh, U.S. agent, U.S. agency representative one or CIA agent two, and and updated memos, and they took the memos. That's where all of this this is all coming from the Michael Sussman indictment. Now, on March twenty eighth, two thousand seventeen, um, this uh, uh, Daniel Jones guy. Um, he meets with the FBI and he passes on supposedly fresh leads and, um, and cyber interactions that he and his team had learned about the Alpha Bank server and Trump. And that's when the FBI looks into the new leads after having closed its investigation a month prior. Now, that same month, FBI Director James Comey publicly announces the Bureau was investigating possible coordination between Moscow and the newly sworn in president. So first you have Hillary, rah, 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 Russia collusion, it goes away. Now you have Comey, when President Trump is in office, saying that uh, they have to reopen, they have a new investigation, they have new leads. I'm pretty sure we can all remember hearing it on the news and hearing Comey saying that. Uh, new, new, new leads have caused us to open up an investigation into the President Trump administration. Now, despite the renewed push by Daniel Jones, the FBI managed to debunk that tip um, between uh, Russia and uh, President Trump as being a nefarious, a nefarious trip. Now, 
Agents learned the email server in question was not even controlled by the Trump organization. In fact, Durham's indictment writes, uh, says the FBI invest FBI's investigation revealed that the email server at issue was not owned or operated by the Trump organization, but rather had been administered by a mass marketing email company that sent advertisements for Trump hotels and hundreds of other clients. So it turns out that the supposed secret server was being housed in a small Pennsylvania town, uh, the town of Littit. Littitz. It's Littitz, guys. That's the town. Littitz. That's not my... <laughs> That's not... It's Littitz. That's where it was. <laughs> the server was being housed in Littitz, Pennsylvania, and uh, it was not being housed in New York City at Trump Tower like it had been assessed, and it was being operated by a marketing firm based in Florida called Ascendin, uh, the routine, that routinely blasted out email promotions multi to multiple hotel chains. Um, it was a third-party server sent uh, and it sent spam to alpha bank employees who used trump hotels that's all it was the bank had maintained a new york office since 2001. so in spite of the fact that the fbi debunked this and they found out it was in latitz and it was not in new york city uh daniel jones and jake sullivan kept on promoting the russia collusion and uh the the trump being uh connected to putin with help from Sullivan and from Podesta in 2017, this, uh, this gangly looking man um, launched a nonprofit group called the Democracy Integrity Project, which raised about $7 million, mainly from Silicon Valley tech executives. Now, the, uh, the Democracy Integrity Project hired computer researchers as well as Fusion GPS opposition researchers and Christopher Steele, the British, the British former MI6 author of the now discredited PP dossier to prove the rumors, um, to prove the rumors in the dossier. And uh, as they sought new dirt on, dirt on President Trump, they fed their misinformation to media outlets. In fact, there was this whole story that during a certain uh, uh, Democrat convention, uh, uh, Jake Sullivan was the um, porter and uh, he rode uh, heads of media to and from on a little golf cart. Basically, you know, hey, have you heard about uh, have you heard about the PP dossier? Have you heard of Alpha, Alpha Bank? You know, you should pay attention to that story. It's coming out like he was just, you know, calling out stories like uh, <laughs> people would do. I don't know. It, it, so all of this, guys, it's just all, all it's crazy collusion and um it's all being named. It was all named out in Durham's um, indictment against Michael Sussman. These are just kind of some of the finer points and specifics coming out. So, um, and all of this basically leads to this one hope, this one festoon, this one glimmer of hope that uh, we may see Jake Sullivan being indicted next. Okay. So, Getting back into this uh, so we can wrap it up on this uh, this uh, piece of, of the pie, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we have here that uh, this Daniel Jones guy had emailed out daily bulletin points to the media. Okay, again, because part of the wrap-up smear campaign, part of the collusion between 
politicians, law firms, uh, United States agencies, and the media was all of this. It, you know how they say that uh, all of these people are so incestuous. You got people uh, from political office married or the children of or the brother or sister of people in the media who are married or the children of or the brother or sister of, you know, uh, people in federal agencies, whether it's the FBI, the CIA, the FDA, you know, the NIH, the D DHS, uh, the DDA, the DDS, all that stuff. It's all they're all all incestuous. Right. So Daniel, um, Daniel Jones would send out uh, daily email bulletins for his Democracy Integrity Project to journalists in the Beltway talking about all of the Trump-Russia collusion uh, points and, you know, new leads and new tips coming out. And also things about this debunked secret server, even though it had been debunked, I guess the uh, reporters in the Beltway were not paying attention to it. In October of 2020, John Durham subpoenaed Daniel Jones. This man was subpoenaed by John Durham to testify before his grand jury uh, hearing uh, the case, um, along with other computer experts and researchers recruited by Sussman for the Clinton campaign project in persons close to the investigation set. So this guy's already been indicted. I mean, he's already been subpoenaed. So when we're talking about where did John Durham get all the juice for this Michael Sussman indictment, he has already been subpoenaed, guys. And now he's coming back and surfacing again. But this time, it seems like Jake Sullivan is dragging him back to the surface because he probably ratted all of this information. Now, that leads us to the question, where will we go from here? Will there be more indictments? Is this uh, is this Sussman a fall guy? Uh, you guys are probably aware that uh, indeed it, it it really does seem like we're going to see some more indictments. You know, it seems like some more stuff is coming out about it, and I think the timing is right for it, considering our current situation all around in this country and the world. Now, indictments for a single count process, as I mentioned, uh, like the one involving Michael Sussman. It's a single count indictment. In other words, it's just one thing that they're holding against him, right? It's not like he has multiple charges. His only charge is making false statements to the FBI. So why was it 27 pages? Uh, indictments of a single count usually are about two to three pages, like I said. Well, <clears throat> there are some people that have something to say about this. Um, there is uh, an FBI veteran, uh, a 40-year prosecutor, um, who says that uh, the indictment that John Durham dropped um, basically was dropped the way it was, 27 pages full of, uh, full of what I'm sure the media and Democrats hope is speculation. But he says, and uh, this is a, a former FBI director, Chris Swecker, and that's, oh wait, hey, John, what's up? Chris Swecker, that's the man. He says that this indictment that John Durham dropped was actually an outline to a broader conspiracy case that he's building, and it also invokes several other federal statutes. Uh, Chris Swecker said, this is what we call a speaking indictment, meaning that it is far more detailed than is required for a simple indictment under federal statute 1001, 
which outlaws making false statements and representations, speculation, to federal investigators, former assistant uh, FBI Director Chris Swecker said in an interview. Uh, good evening, uh, DJ Ping254. Good to see you, sir. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Now, uh, Chris Swecker went on to say, it is damning, and I see it as a placeholder for additional indictments such as a government, uh, such as government grant and contract fraud, uh, computer intrusion, the Privacy Act, and other laws against dissemination of personally identifiable information, and mail fraud and wire fraud, not to mention conspiracy to commit those offenses. Uh, he concluded, I definitely see more indictments to come. And uh, he also stated that he personally knows John Durham and has worked with him in prior investigations. Now, that's not all, ladies and gentlemen. Over the weekend, we had a uh, former Pentagon chief of staff, Cash Patel, pop into Maria Bartiromo's show, Sunday Morning Futures. And uh, he also had a few things to say about the John Durham indictment. Why don't we uh, take a gander now, ladies and gentlemen? I'm pretty sure you guys uh, will be quite interested in what he has to say. So let me go ahead and stop that screen and share that screen. I swear, guys, if you guys haven't heard about this yet, you have been off the internet today. Okay, <laughs> so let's uh, let's take a let's take a look. We are back with former prosecutor and former Pentagon chief of staff, Cash Patel. Cash, I want to know from you when you believe the FBI figured out that the lies were coming from the Clinton campaign. I know that in January 25th, 6th, and 7th, the uh, FBI did meetings with the subsource on what exactly was in the dossier, and at that time they told them that it was garbage and they made it up. They had beers and embellished. But when do you believe the FBI figured out that all of this was just one political campaign trying to take down another? I think they knew right away. And the documents that we put out in okay. the Nunes investigation, the Nunes memo, and the HIPSI uh, report on Russian active measures show that the FBI knew right away because their FISA abuse process, now that declassification process is complete, and your viewers can read it, that the FBI knew the information was fraudulent. They knew the credibility problems with Christopher Steele, and they knew the DNC through Fusion GPS and Perkins Coie were piping in tens of millions of dollars into the into the machine so that they could get up a FISA warrant on President Trump. So I think they knew right away, which is why I think wow. the individuals at the head of the FBI need to be held accountable. Wow. So they knew that it was garbage, and yet they still pursued, pursued, pursued a FISA warrant mm -hmm. to uh, wiretap Trump organization members like Carter Page. Will John Durham reel yeah. in any big fish, in your view? Yeah. And let me I, I believe so. Let me just put this in perspective. When I was running large-scale conspiracy and fraud investigations, they took me three, four, five years to prosecute. John Durham's only in his second year of the most political scandal in U.S. history. So I believe within the next six months, look out for indictments against the folks like Fusion GPS and Glenn Simpson for helping perpetuate this fraud. And look out for individuals like Lisa Page and Peter Strzok. I believe they're already helping John Durham. They're cooperating with him to get the bigger fish like the Andy McCabe, who is the biggest fraudster next to James Comey. I think you're going to see these indictments start coming out on the individuals at the top. Uh, it's just going to take a few more months, but I'm, I remind your viewers, it takes a little bit of time to work these matters. Unbelievable. And no, you know, no surprise, the mainstream media gave them all jobs. All right, quick, uh, quick. Okay. 
we pause there because then they go into talking about Afghanistan, but that was the main juice of it. Like, whoops. Uh, yeah, he believes that, uh, well, I mean, according to him, if you guys caught that, I'm sure you did. Um, according to him, um, the estranged lovers are also singing like a canary to John Durham, or they already have, or they've cooperated. In fact, um, it's not only John Durham. Let me see here. Where are we going? Where are we going and have we arrived? Uh, um, it's not only uh, Lisa's, Lisa Page and Peter Strzok who apparently are cooperating with John Durham uh, to get to bigger targets. Um, it's also uh, James Baker. And James Baker is this guy. Um, let's see here. Uh, James Baker, 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 Baker. Um, he is uh, the former FBI general counsel. Um, and he, he's the one who accepted the materials from Michael Sussman to begin with, and he passed it on to agents to investigate. Uh, he's cooperating with Durham, apparently, and so is also uh, former FBI counterintelligence chief uh, Bill Priestap, um, who has provided prosecutors contemporaneous notes about what led the Bureau to open an investigation into the allegations that Trump used Alpha Bank as a conduit between his campaign and Russian President Vladimir Putin to steal the elections. So a lot can be said here, ladies and gentlemen. I wonder what your guys' thoughts are in that regard. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of starting to think that, uh, you know, uh, maybe there is a little bit more to it. Uh, again, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a timings guy, even though I don't necessarily agree, agree with the rules and laws of time that man have created. But, you know... Um, like I said, all of the stuff happening at once, uh, the election audits, um, you know, the uh, the whole instance with Afghanistan, um, it's just all of all of these elements seems to like kind of be fusing or meeting together at one point. And it could be it could lead to a very big indictment or arrest. We'll see at what point that remains. Now, going over the chat real quick before we jump into the last story for tonight. Uh, a real quick, uh, a greeted uh, DJ Ping254 with a hello, uh, but also wishing you a happy birthday, sir. I hope you've had a happy, 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 joy, joyful one today um, and uh, many more to come, my friend. Uh, let's see here. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah, Gary was in the house. Good evening, Gary. Glad you were joining us for a bit. Enjoy the rest of your fox hopping, my friend. Uh, let's see here. What else are you guys talking about before we jump into the last story for tonight? Okay, a couple of more gold pill donations. Thanks, guys, again for that. We had a, a LFMD gifting another cookie. Um, let's see here. And uh, LeftMDC's Project Veritas number four was awesome. Several thumbs up there. We're definitely going to watch that tomorrow. Um, WC says he's going to send me some doctors finding cool. I'll look for the link or I'll watch for my email. Um, let's see here. Deborah Erdman says, I don't think Rico cases have a statute of limitations. I don't, yeah, I don't think they do either. I don't think they do either. So that's good. That's definitely good. Um, yeah, that's crazy. It's, it's going to boil down to Rico when, because like, like, uh, the, the thing with the election, the election fraud, right? 
Like we have all of this against uh, uh, trying to bring down a president, this conspiracy. And then we have the election fraud side, which is going to show also an entanglement of the same characters. And then who's at the head of that? You might wonder. It's going to show, I think it's going to show Rico. I think it's going to show Rico guys, like for sure. Like this is a criminal organization. This is a, uh, a an organization of, of like-minded individuals working, you know, in concert to uh, destroy a country, bring down a country, bring it to heel. Um, and they're working all across America and in instances across the globe. Guess, guess that would depend on where these orders are coming from, right? All roads lead to Clinton, says LeftMD. Thank you for the can as well, LeftMD. Much appreciated. Uh, WC dropped a uh, WC dropped a link. It says from do. Do who? No, just kidding. Do diligence, sir. Do your due diligence, sir. And don't you think twice about it. Thank you, sir, for dropping that. Um, let's see here. What else do we got? Before I go too long and the podcast uh, listeners are like, what the heck, Mr. C? Um, let's see here. <laughs> Sussman don't Sussman didn't hang himself. That's going to be the, the new, uh, the new, uh, the new, um, what do you call it? Uh, catchphrase, isn't it? Tombstone. That's funny. Um, let's see here. I see that one. I need that one. So I predict Sussman dies. Ha left MD. I just, I, I predict Sussman dies in a car crash wagers. You want me to take that one to Vegas? <laughs> Goodness. Uh, let's see here. And then uh, thank you again for the cookie left MD. I appreciate your uh, support. Much definitely appreciated. Uh, this coup was highly and deadly co coordinated. Yep. I would agree with that tombstone. <laughs> Deborah Erdman. They all knew knowingly, knowingly, knowingly. That's amazing. It's true. Um, let's see here. Uh, Narco Hampone TV, Nar Mockingbird Media, fake news. Yep. Fake media. With current judicial system, would be surprised if they get uh, six months, even if found guilty on all counts. That's true, W.C. Cranop. And that's why right now, while we're cleaning out the swamp, we need to clean out the judicial system as well. I mean, we need to. I, I, there was a story, a headline last week, about judges who were uh, removed for um, hearing cases on their own, what, their own like uh, debt or something like that. I need to get that. I need to find that article because uh, I've been meaning to touch on that. But dang, guys, there are so many tabs on so many windows in my computer with stories I'm trying to get out there. I don't have enough time in a day. And I'm trying to keep these uh, reports at least two to three hours. We're almost done. So we're almost on. We're almost early tonight. We're, we'll be done before 10 p.m. Texas time. I promise. Um, let's see here. Ah, this is Deborah Erdman says, you guys are missing a lot not watching Tom Fitton's Judicial Watch do a deep dive on that dude and see how much uh, she's gotten and how much he, they've all, they've got it all. We'll do that, Deborah Erdman. You know, we're a Judicial Watch fan here. I know he's talked about the Clinton emails before and they're probably old news, right? Like by uh, people who are awake standards. It's like, it's like uh, when they do... Um, I don't know when they do a revival on the story about uh, I don't know things that happened in Arizona, or uh, well, there was one that just come up. It was a story that we reported on like pff, back in like March, and now it's big news all over the independent like um, you know uh, news agencies. And I'm like, this has been known. 
Like, why is it big news now? Uh, it's it's interesting that sometimes these this this information has to recycle and go through the wash two or three times before people get it. But then again, that is also the thing about timing. It's all about timing. Like certain stories will not catch, certain information will not be heard or seen until it's ready to be heard or seen, regardless of who broke the story in the beginning. So that's why it's important that we all just share the information and keep on talking because you never know what is going on that it will cause it to catch or who it is that will hear it that will be able to take it to the next level. Like Tom Fitton has done that stuff for a long time. And some of this, he's probably got to be pretty frustrated too. Like I put that out there. I did a, I did a Pfizer request like a long time ago and we did a whole story on it and now people care about it. It's interesting the way that happens. Yeah. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Thank you, Bodina, for that compliment. I appreciate you. <laughs> yes, let's get into the last story tonight so we can say adios for the evening and uh, continue on our way. Aha, uh -huh, DJ Ping, what you doing over there, sir? Making faces. Where we go one, we go all. I second that motion, WC Cranop. Uh, Narcohampone, uh, I'll go back and look. I seem to have missed what you posted, but I'll go back and look unless I already got it. We'll, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll take a look. I'll do a chat recap for myself at the end of the show. Um, okay, last story for tonight, guys, gals, ladies and gentlemen, humans of all ages. It's one that actually tickles my funny bone. Um, talk about living in an upside down, backwards world with everything that's going on, right? Like everything is just so discombobulated, right? And and I think, at least for myself, the importance of this story has to do with the uh, how symbolic it is. It's so symbolic that we had this entire um, governmental push to get into the personal health and lives of American people uh, to fight to destroy or kill another human being, right? Okay, so like, but, but, but symbolically speaking, it's almost like the entire movement of Roe v. Wade and all its uh, supposed provisions for Satanists, uh, you know, and, and whores. Like, um, it means nothing. It means nothing in the end. You know, it, it, it's like a uh, an empty vessel of the intent and desire that these people had in order to ensure that humans had the constitutional right to commit abortions. Oh, wait, do I sound like Garland Merrick or Merrick Garland? Where in the hell do you get a constitutional right to kill another life in the constitution, right? Uh, is it under the uh, First Amendment protection of religious rights clause? Because uh, I don't see that, even though we know Satanists have used that. Like uh, Satanists have been like, it's our right, short of saying it's our right to kill a a human fetus, right? Short of saying it's our right to kill a human fetus. They have said that uh, uh, the right of abortion is part of their religious practice and uh, part of their uh, religious, um, um, what do you call that thing where you do things repetitively uh, for a religious belief? C ceremony? No, not ceremony. Belief, ceremony, whatever. Okay. Like um, ritual, ritual. That's the word I'm looking for. Ritual. So uh, short of saying, uh, you know, that uh, it's their right to kill a human fetus, they say it's their religious right as part of their religious ritual, you know, 
And they haven't won that case. They've tried it in Texas and Missouri. But if they were to win that case, what would stop them from saying it's our religious right to commit human living adult sacrifice? You know, you know, it's just, oh. you know, harm no one. Right. Anyways. So to me, this entire story takes the entire life, not not to put an inappropriate pun in there, but it, it takes away the life of this entire Roe v. Wade story. Now, some of you guys have probably heard uh, we have this, uh, the, the, the uh, Roe baby, the Roe baby is alive and well today, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, apparently she gave an interview over at one of the fake news mainstream legacy media outlets tonight where uh, she talked about, you know, what it was like to be the Roe baby. She didn't know. According to uh, some articles, uh, she she actually found out that she was the supposed aborted baby that uh, people fought for in order to have rights to abort. Um, um, she found out when she was 19 or so, or 22 maybe. 19? It was 19. Um, she found out around, uh, well, the years here, but like... <laughs> This story, guys, like you have you have uh, this extreme left communist. I'm going to say Satanist. I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. I mean, take a look at this picture. Oh, wait, wait, wait. First, let me show you the picture of the Roe baby today. OK, before I get to myself. Now, this is the Roe baby. <laughs> her name is uh, Shelly Lynn Thornton. Thornton is her name. Um, it, her, her identity was hidden from the public for over 50 years. Right. Um, and uh, she was um, first named as Norma McCornvy. So Norma McCornvy is Jane Roe, or the lady who was fighting for her right to kill her babies, right? So Jane Roe. Now, she was first named as Jane Roe's baby in uh, the uh, Atlantic, you know, that uh, leftist, elitist, progressive or, um, rag, uh, rag of a magazine that's put together by... Uh, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Powell, Powell, her, her last name's Powell jobs, jobs is widower jobs is widower. You know, she put, she's in charge of this outfit. So somehow jobs is, you know, Atlantic outfit got a hold of, you know, the McCorvey's, uh, offspring brood. And, uh, they did a story and they were talking about how that was actually their mama. Uh, my mama was Jane Rowe. Her name was Norma McCorvey. Uh, and so Shelly Lynn comes out and she wants to tell her story because her siblings removed. <laughs> she was actually put up for adoption. Tell their story about Mama, Mama McCorvey, Mama Roe, right? So now you have Baby Roe. Baby Roe's like, well, we're not going to get Mama Roe's out story out there without getting Baby Roe's story out there, which I think is actually well justified. So uh, Shelly Lynn comes out tonight. She gave an exclusive in-person interview um, and, uh, we're, I mean, obviously we're not covering that, but we are covering the story because I think it's so irony is not the word for this, that you have an entire generation, a story of a generation molding the entire projection or trajectory of a country and the way that people think when they're fighting over their right to kill a baby and, 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 and so doing that. And then as the entire culture of that uh, thought progresses, uh, dehumanizing, you know, what a human is um, uh, stripping away um, the rights of the unborn human, 
child, whatever you want to put it as, it's still a human. It's still, in my opinion, it, this is my opinion, still alive. Once that heart starts to beat, you know, uh, call it 45 days, whatever that magical number appears for, or call it you know, four weeks to five weeks. I don't care. You know, like uh, once the heart's beaten, in my opinion, uh, you know, it's uh, the soul is getting tied to that uh, mortal coil there in your pineal gland. Look it up, ladies and gentlemen. But let's talk about a little bit about this now. Her mama, Mama Roe, otherwise known as Norma McCorvey, like uh, that's a picture of them right there. Let me show you. Now, the one that looks like the uh, the uh, the satisfied and, um, you know, happy little Satanist. That would be the attorney, okay? Mama Roe is the uh, mild-mannered, unassuming, probably um, Rube standing next to her. Now, Norma McCorvey, who's Mama Roe, not the one that looks like a Satanist, right? You, you know who I'm, you can, you get it, right? The one holding keep abortions legal, the one who looks like a bona fide Satanist, right? The attorney. Anyways, so uh, Mama Roe, um, she had given up two babies for adoption and then somehow decided on her third one, she wanted to abort. Somehow that turned into an, uh, this huge legal fiasco and it had to do, uh, with, uh, the issue of, um, abortion not being legal, uh, or the abortion, the issue of abortion being legal in select States. It was up to the state's decision, our 10th amendment, right? Right. As it should be Right. Uh, government has no say so, even according to the constitution about whether or not thou shalt have an abortion or thou shalt have a blood transfusion or, you know, uh, only this sector of the population shall, uh, you know, benefit from this type of medical procedure. None of that is in the constitution. Okay. So why this happened? I mean, I, I maybe it had something to do with the Satanist. I don't know. You know, maybe it did. Let's blow her up. There she is. There's the seat. I don't know, guys. She, I, I just get those vibes from her. I just get those vibes from her. And this is like in 1973, this picture. But I just get those vibes from her. I just, I seriously get those vibes from her. My sea sense just goes off the hook when I see that woman and her expressions. And I just feel like the energy coming off of her. Anyways, so... Norma McCorvey uh, gets involved with this. And um, here's, here's the funny thing, though. No, it's not funny. Here's the thing, though. Like, after this entire situation happens, by the time that the Supreme Court makes a decision on Roe v. Wade, Mama Roe, Norma McCorvey, has her baby. She does not even abort her. So one has to wonder, <laughs> why did this even happen in the first place, right? Now, apparently, Mama Roe was an advocate for abortion rights well through the 80s. And then suddenly in the 90s, Mama Roe decides to be an anti-abortionist activist. Okay, so one would think, well, Mama Roe is the kind of person who stands by her beliefs, stands by what she, uh, you know, is true in her heart. And then come the 90s and they're like, well, clearly Mama Roe has woken up. And, and Mama Roe understands the errors of her ways, and, and Mama Roe does not believe in abortion. So that should be the final on this. Repeal Roe v. Wade. There is no reason to have this case, but it served its purpose. Now, apparently there was a documentary that came out um, last year called AKA Jane Roe. 
which is uh, uh, Norma McCorvey, Mama Rowe. I call her Mama Rowe because she looks like a Mama Rowe. But uh, in that in that documentary, they did an interview of Mama Rowe. Mama Rowe came out in the film in what is considered a late life interview, and she said that she was actually against abortion, and that the only reason she went along with this to begin with is because she was being paid by the anti-abortion movement. That makes sense, you know, but I don't know Mama Roe from the piece of corn stuck between my teeth, so I couldn't tell you. But in regards to Shelley Lynn Thornton, Baby Roe, Baby Roe says um, that um, her views on abortion are quite complex and that she's not going to make a statement because she will not be used by any side of any movement as her mom may have used or indeed as um, she had been, she had, may have been used herself. So she's not going to do it. She's not going to make a statement. But the only thing that she could say as the mother of three children, baby Roe, is that uh, she doesn't understand how government has a place in this matter. So anyways, guys, that's where we're wrapping up the C Report tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed your time with us and also with each other out there in uh, the chat rooms. Uh, thank you for tuning in over at uh, pill.net, the foxhole.app, twitch.tv, and also at Clout Hub. The last thing I was going to share with you guys before we go and tell you what, I'll release the gold pills while I uh, share this bit of information with you guys. Let me pull it up. There we go. Okay. Let me, uh, let me release the scratching uh, is that I have actually updated the uh, Mr. C, the C report website. So if you want to go and check it out, that would be cool. Um, let me go ahead and expand that on the screen. It's brand new. I did an entire overhaul. Uh, it's basically, I like to streamline my information for the C-Report. So, you know, you can hop on into the C-Report, check out one of the most recent shows. And again, tonight I was actually trying not to mention COVID because it seems if you mention COVID, they just remove your videos from, you know, uh, from a screw tube. So I was trying not to do it because I wanted to get this episode uploaded. I don't think that's going to happen now. But uh, nonetheless, there you go. I just wanted to give you guys a quick gander at the new website. I was trying to get it ready ahead of Las Vegas, and it seems like I've actually accomplished that. So if you want to check it out, and there's still a contact sheet, if you want to check it out, it's at uh, thecreport.com. That is thecreport.com. You can go and see it today. Share it with your friends. Put it in your social medias. Uh, share the uh, share the share the Sea Report with uh, uh, friends and, and associates far and wide. Um, uh, hey, we have a Jusol. What does that say? Jolsols three six nine over on Twitch. Glad you enjoyed the show. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, do return. Come on back. Let your friends know about it. We're here Monday through Friday with the C Report at uh, seven thirty p.m. Central Time. Uh, we aim to do two to three hours. Sometimes we go a little bit longer, and then also, of course, we have other shows on this channel. That's Mr. C TV over at Twitch, uh, the Mr. C Channel over at Pilled and at Foxhole, and Mr. C TV over at Clout Hub. Uh, we do Friday and Saturday night shows, late night shows, Mr. C in the Dark, as also we do uh, Lone Star News, Texas News uh, on Saturday afternoon. So uh, let, let everyone know about it. And also the podcast. Don't forget about the podcast. Real quick. 
You can check it out at uh, um, anchor.fm slash the C report or search us on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Hopefully I can get these words out of my mouth um, and uh, share, share the report that way. You guys have a great night. Thank you again for tuning in and for hanging out. Much love to you all and much appreciation. And, you know, uh, between now and tomorrow, when I see you next, as always, guys, y'all have a great night. Be safe. Be blessed. And as always, God bless America. We will see you tomorrow. Mm -hmm.